This episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin. My go-to products are the Repair Cream, the Performance Cream, and the Dry Spray. I have naturally sweaty skin, and I find the Performance Cream and the Dry Spray especially helpful when I'm sport climbing or climbing on long boulder problems, because if I can keep my hands from sweating, I don't have to stop and chalk up as often, that can make all of the difference on a pumpy sport climb or a long boulder. And I like to use the repair cream in the evenings most days. That's my go-to product. I just use it to help my skin heal between sessions on my projects. Whether you have sweaty skin like me and have trouble keeping chalk on your hands, or maybe you have dry, glassy skin and you have the opposite problem, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. If you want to level up your skin game, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your precious skin today. This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on all of the different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing. I just did a really fun collaboration with the guys at Crimped, and now all of you can try my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts right there in the Crimped app. We've got one called Steven's Outdoor Bouldering Warm-Up, which is my go-to warm-up on a bouldering day. We've got Steven's Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Steven's Outdoor Strength Zone Bouldering, which will guide you through a strength-focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco tanks over the past few years with great results. And it's a great format for sending some of those second-tier boulders and building strength out there on the rock. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com. That's C-R-I-M-P-D.com to get started and download the Crimped app for free. And type in Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, into the search bar in the app to try my go-to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com or find the Crimped app in the app store. It's totally free to try. Type Steven in the search and have fun out there on the boulders. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast, where it is my job to extract as many nuggets of wisdom, insights as I can from my wide range of guests. Sometimes those nuggets have to do with climbing performance, and we get into the details of training. Sometimes those nuggets have to do with life and how to thrive as a human being in this world that we are all moving through together. My guest today is Alex Biale. Who is Alex Biale? Alex is a very impressive rock climber. He's a very humble guy, so you will hear him downplay his accomplishments in this interview, but this guy is a very high-level boulderer. He's climbed V14. He's climbed a ton of double-digit boulders up to V14. He's got a very impressive base. And he's one of those dark horses. He's just a regular guy. He's got two businesses. He works 50 to 60 hours a week. He's married, has a wife, has a house, and manages to get it done and climb really hard things very consistently. And if his name sounds familiar, and if you've been listening to this show for quite a while, it might be because you recognize him from the John Glassberg episode. That's 
quite an old one. That was about two and a half or three years ago. So a long time since we did that. But John trained with Alex and talked about their training together. I was really curious to get Alex's take on training with John. And he was also mentioned in the Ollie Tour episode. I've had Ollie Tour on the podcast a couple times, one of the best climbing coaches in the world. And Alex gets direct one on one coaching from Ollie. And I was really fascinated to hear what some of the insights and takeaways have been from working with Ollie Tour. So yeah, that made up the bulk of our conversation. We also talked about Alex's life and I encourage you to listen to the end of this conversation because we talked about balance. As I said, Alex holds down very full-time work and has a healthy and happy marriage and is continuing to progress at his climbing. And I think all of us think a lot about how the hell do we do more than one or two of those things successfully? And Alex claims to not be very good at balance, but I think that was a beautiful part of this conversation. So I encourage you to listen to the very end if you enjoy this episode. And with that, let's dive in. Please enjoy this wide-ranging and very fun conversation with Alex Viale. Cool. Does this work? That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. How are you feeling after uh, our sesh? Do you need? Food? You have enough cookies? Oh, I'm good. We're gonna have steaks later. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm psyched. I'm happy. All right. Perfect. Do you drink wine? Yeah. 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 We're gonna have some wine too. Great. <laughs> some of the wine that we were talking about. Yeah. 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 I mean, living on the road, it's very easy. I don't drink alcohol very often. And it's yeah. very easy to like be in the van, do my own thing. Um, but with friends, yeah. Yeah. Well, she she just came in here and asked, she's like, do you want me to like open a bottle of wine for that? And I was like, I don't know if he drinks. But if you do, she's going to open it. Sounds great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It is great to be here with you, man. It's great to have you great here. Great to meet you. Yeah. Likewise. It's funny because I feel like I know you because we've been you know, a fan of the podcast and following it for a long time. But yeah, you don't know anything about me. So. <laughs> so I know great. that's not true. I know a little bit. I'm, I've been very excited about this because you've been mentioned on the podcast in a big way twice. Yeah. And the first one goes back quite a long way. Yeah. John Glassberg mentioned you in his episode, episode 52 or something. I just re-listened to it actually to cool. prep for this yeah. to hear about your guys' crazy psycho <laughs> training that you were doing at the time. But um, but yeah, he mentioned you cause you guys were training partners at the time. And yep. I think that was probably the first time I heard your name. And then I was kind of aware of you since then, cause you climb in Colorado and I've been coming out here and you're sending lots of hard boulders and stuff. And then you helped me put the piece together that Ollie Tor had talked about you in one yeah. of his episodes. He was talking about working with one of his clients who made this big transition from being a compression squeezer to yep. adopting this more like high angle crimping Aiden Roberts style of climbing. And it was you. Yep. So yeah, I'm very excited to dig into your climbing journey really and, cool. to, and to hear about kind of the evolution through both of those chapters. And I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, cool. Um, but let's start with your upbringing. I want to hear about growing up in Napa, making wine. Yeah. And how you got into climbing. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, very weird little story, but, uh, so I, I grew up in Napa, California, which is, I mean, it's a little agriculture 
town. I mean, it's a bunch of farmers. Um, farmers who make wine. That's kind of the joke. We don't like to think of ourselves as winemakers. We're farmers who happen to make wine because that's what our grandfather, great-grandfather, whoever uh, made. And so my great-grandfather migrated here, uh, bought up whatever little land he could back then when it was, you know, incredibly cheap, um, had his had his kids out here. And when my grandfather was 14, his dad died, and he all of a sudden realized, okay, we have this farm. It's not big, but we have this little thing. They're all Italian. They're yeah. all Italian. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. all Italian. And the neighborhood was all Italian. And if you weren't Italian, I mean, it was, it was, it was a bad day for you. <laughs> and uh, their primary source of income was actually bootlegging the wine. And so my grandfather had to, had to okay, say, like, okay, how, how do I make this work? I'm 14 years old. We don't have a permit. We have a permit to grow the grapes, but we don't have a permit to do anything with them. They had some other things. They had walnuts and fruits and just different things and chickens and and, and whatnot, but they didn't, like they couldn't really legally do anything with the primary source of income. So my grandfather had to figure out how to make wine, how to bootleg, how to not get caught by the cops, but also not how to get like on the radar of the feds, which was very much a thing back then. And so he and his wife, my uh, Aldo and Clementina, they came up with, I mean, a system that works. Uh, basically, so back then they had these like party line phones. So if if I'm at house two and you're at house one and Mallory's at house three, if I just hit, you know, one on our rotary phone, it'll dial, you know, Stephen. if I hit three anyone sharing the system can pick up the phone and listen in. So the feds were constantly trying to like catch people on like doing illegal activities, but especially the immigrants. And they knew that like we were making wine. So it wasn't like it was a secret. Like, I mean, it was very much like this little kid, Aldo, like picking a fight, you know, with the system being like, I'm going to, can I cuss on the show? Yeah. Be like, I'm going to make some fucking money here. Cause otherwise like it's death, you know, yeah. like what do we, and so they came up with a system to basically say whenever Clementina would take the orders of uh, people ordering wine. Other Italians in the uh, area? Only Italians. Okay. Yeah, you could only <laughs> order if you were Italian. And they only spoke Italian. Um, they wouldn't sell to anybody else besides Italians. Even if they were Catholic, but they weren't Italian, they wouldn't sell to them. It was a very like strict thing. And they would call every, I think it was every Friday, and Clementina would take the orders and they'd say, all right, Clementina, I'd like to come by and get a dozen eggs, a case of walnuts, and a black chicken. Black chicken was code word for a jug of wine, a jug of Zinfandel, because we only had white chickens. Those are the <laughs> only ones we had. We only had white chickens. So the, the black chicken in Aldo's mind was this very clever code word of taking orders in. So he would count up the you know, a uh, number of black chickens he had to do. And he would go out and he'd make his <laughs> deliveries of 14-year-old kid. It was incredible. And he did that for, I mean, decades. Like, When did this start? Uh, the first, we planted our first vines in 1937-ish. I could be getting the exact, my dad's going to kill me, but I think it's 1937. <laughs> uh, and then he started, yeah, maybe 14-ish years after that. I don't do math in public, so you gotta <laughs> you gotta add that up. Yeah. And then 
kept that going and then we didn't produce legally until I was born in 1990. Wow. That's when we produced legally. So my dad kind of came in and wanted to make it legal. So I grew up working in that, working in that environment, working uh, on the vineyard. You know, it was very much, I mean, it still is like a family thing. It's like a family affair. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, so I, I grew up working in the vineyard. I wasn't going to summer camps. I wasn't, I would go to school. I'd go to the vineyard. I would go to school and go to the vineyard. What and, kind of things would you do? Uh, it graduated. So like, Sure, yeah. You know, like when I was, I mean, my earliest memories out there, I was like eight, nine, ten, and I was fucking useless, you know? I mean, I wasn't, but the the ethos like, of it was like, yeah, you got to learn how to chores, work. chores, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would go out there and I would be like on my hands and knees, literally like pulling weeds from the vineyard uh, because my dad didn't like the way it looked. I mean, it was brutal. It was the worst lesson ever, but it... He's like, I take pride in this vineyard and it looks bad when there's weeds in it. You're cheap labor. You need to learn how to work. Go out there and pull. And it was, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's acres and acres and acres of just like you're down in there pulling. It was awful. And then eventually I started to be able to like use the tools and drive the tractor and like work harvest. So, I mean, I've, I've done, you know, now I've done all of the jobs, but it, it was all like, working with the vines we we run a, a dry farm which is what it's called so it's mm. um like every vine is like a standalone little tree basically and every vine every season every growing season gets touched by a human hand i mean a hundred times easily every vine and there's I mean, I, I don't know how many vines. There's thousands of them, right? Mm. So it's, it's literally, it's like the manual labor, hands-on work. And it, I mean, I hated it, but I also, in hindsight, understand that it was like the thing that made me who I am and, yeah. and have grown to love it. But uh, yeah. Were you all living together? Were you close with your grandparents? Was it just like a big Very close, yeah. Family the, commune? It, it was a whole family thing. I mean, yeah. My grandparents lived on the land with the vines. My dad built a little house in downtown Napa. Uh, so we lived there. But it's all Napa's. I mean, if you guys have ever been there, it's 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 all very tight. But yes, they're all still very tight. We're all, st I mean, it's very much a family thing. Mm -hmm. Um Although I was the only one that was actually in the vineyard doing the work. They were all just drinking the wine. But uh, <laughs> my dad and I were kind of the only ones that were actually doing the work. But but it is a family thing. I mean, I, I was out there with my, uh, we called them Nona, grandmother, and Nona, grandfather. I, I was out there in the vineyard all the time. I was fucking terrified of my grandfather because, I mean, the week before he died, he was on the tractor. Like with me, I was like out there grinding. It was like a hundred degrees. It was like he, he was not a, yeah, he was a hard man. Yeah, and, hard man. And yeah. Uh, yeah. he had to be, obviously. I mean, imagine going through his life. Of course he would be. Right. And then imagine being Bob, my dad, growing up with that and the responsibility of that. It's like, it's, it's intense, dude. It's, so it wasn't a lot of like, you know, like these amazing trips, like uh, as a kid to go do things, it was like, so Tahoe was really close. To, I mean, it's three and a half hours away, really close. We loved the outdoors. We all loved the outdoors. My dad and my mom, super athletic. You know, my dad was uh, 
a rescue swimmer, jumping out of helicopters, like Whoa. saving people. So he was like very much like, let's put you into a fucked up situation and see what happens. And like, that's how you learn. That was your dad? As my dad. Is he like doing stuff with the winery at the same time? No, this this was all before. He he basically he had a he had a period of his life where he is wild. He I mean the, <laughs> the, the 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 very quick version is he he uh he went to school, studied, did his thing. Um he was a missionary in Papua New Guinea, Whoa. which is literally in the middle of nowhere jungle like living in huts for three years and was very impacted by that on a physical mental spiritual psychological chemical level you know um was a rescue swimmer after you know so so uh jumping like literally jumping out of helicopters to like into water to you know, whatever, save somebody that crashed or some whatever. So super fit, super aggro, super quiet and, and yeah, hard. <laughs> and, uh, and then came back and a lot of like inner intensity. Yes. Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then came back and, and, uh, said, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's make this legitimate. And he's been on that crusader and, and mm. now it's obviously legitimate and it's, it's doing well. And it's, you know, it's, what's the name of the winery or the wine? Robert Bialy Vineyards. You're going to have some. So actually it's the <laughs> bottle to bring that full, to bring, to close this out. You're going to have a, a bottle, uh, I can't called wait. the black chicken. That's still our, that's our number one. <laughs> I love that name. That's so good. That's our number one. That's such a good uh, story bottle. behind the winery too. That's why people like it. Is there like, they'll hear that and they'll just be like, holy shit, that's yeah. real. Like Aldo, like fourteen year old, like Peaky Blinder Aldo was out there, like <laughs> bootlegging, and and it's funny because I, I don't know, like growing up, I didn't think it was like I don't, you know, that cool or that special. Sure, or that. I just thought I was like, yeah, dude, my it's a lot of work. These people are brutal, and like this sucks, and like everybody's doing cool shit, and I'm not. And mm. it, but now, obviously, who do you, you know? mean? Like, like high school peers and stuff like that. You just felt yeah, like, yeah, high school peers, friends, anybody at school. They would just be doing these trips or like doing these sports or doing whatever. I mean, I, I, I did my sports, but like, it was very much like work. Mm-hmm. Like work was like, like work was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 like if if we had a bad growing season or a difficult growing season, I'll say, because it was extremely hot. The family felt it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was intense. It mm-hmm. was very much like, you know, this idea, like, living season to season. I mean, it was, it was, farming is, an, is not an easy business. Mm-hmm. It's not a high margin business. Sure. Um, and eventually, you know, it, it did become like a labor of love for me. And, you know, now, now I'm involved a little bit, but, but it, it was intense, but we did do some trips. You know, we would go to Tahoe and he would just take us on these psycho backpacking trips or these crazy hikes or these crazy swims and be like, yeah, figure it out. Like I would be in charge of like packing my own backpack. Like, I don't know what the, like, what do you need for like a three day backpacking? I have no idea. Like I'm 12 years old. Like, what do I, is this stupid? Is that stupid? Is is a 60 pound pack too heavy? And I'm, I weigh probably similar at that time. You know, he's like, I don't know, like, what do you think? I was like, okay, I don't know, trying it out. We go out there and it was brutal. But again, in hindsight, looking back on it, I just have nothing but love for mm. all of that. But 
uh, yeah, fucking hated it at the time. <laughs> How did you get into climbing? Um, so being out there in the Sierras, you're just exposed to rock. You're just exposed to to things. And, you know, I'm painting my dad out to be this like hard, you know, guy he is, but he's, he's a very sweet guy. But the playtime was basically like, it's not like we had toys. We weren't like running. It was like, we're like running around on rocks and scrambling and climbing up trees and things. And, and I loved that. And then started to climb the fences around the neighborhoods and like, I don't know if you guys ever played that game as a kid, but we would literally like run, like I would like climb up our fence in the backyard into our neighbor's backyard, run across their backyard, climb up their fence, and then just keep running and climbing all of them because I liked because they were all slightly different fences and different trees, and I just liked the challenge of it, like the climbing. And I'd, I'd never even heard of climbing, and then in high school, a climbing gym opened up legitimately five minutes away from my house. Like Whoa. walking, not drive, like walking. Like right around the corner. Uh, it's called Rockzilla. And it in was- In Napa? In Napa. Super, I mean, now it would be considered like a very ghetto like gym, but I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Sure, but yeah. So sketchy in hindsight. Like the bouldering wall, it's like 22 feet, 45 degrees. Whoa. The padding was like that- 22 dude, feet? Dude, so- awful so many injuries i've sprained my ankle multiple times at that gym and the padding was all like that gymnastics blue felt mm. flooring it wasn't actual padding mm -hmm. so it was like very rugged but it's what we had and as soon as i found it i was like oh oh this is this is the coolest thing ever this is it that this, this is what makes sense to me and then i started climbing like every single day and just fell in love mm-hmm that's amazing. I'm jumping ahead here, but I want to I want to hear about how you felt about climbing. So, this was really interesting. You sent me a bunch of notes about this conversation, yep. and there was an uncanny parallel to the Josh Champion episode which I just finished, you know, where I'm I'm like time traveling here, but at the time this comes out, it will have been, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something. Yeah. Um, but super similar story, it sounds like, to what you experienced where Josh, you know, he's a buddy of mine um, from Oregon and we got out of touch for a few years and I just found out, you know, a few months ago that he quit climbing for three years because he put V13 on this like insane pedestal and sacrificed a lot to get there and expected that he would get all that back, you know, like it would make up for it. The achievement, the sense of achievement, the sense of like approval from other people would make up for all that sacrifice. And then it didn't deliver. And he's like, fuck, I have a really unhealthy relationship with climbing. Actually, I'm just going to quit. And he did. And he's back to climbing and, and working on building a healthier relationship with climbing. But I read your notes and I was like, whoa, that sounds really familiar. So you climbed your first V13 in 2014 and you'd put it on a pedestal and nothing changed. And then you thought, if I could only just climb V14. <laughs> <laughs> yep. T tell me about that. I think that led into kind of the, yeah. the John Glassberg yeah, chapter yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so being, I mean. Feel free to fill in, con yeah, sure. back up. Yeah, yeah, however, no, no, yeah, yeah. Whatever so, comes to mind. So being a California climber, I'm going to make a very broad you know, stereotype here, but I think it's true for most. Being a California climber, back then at least, this, again, this is before social media. This mm -hmm. was like, I mean, truly before, this was like, you heard about, you know, climbers 
doing a hard thing in Deadpoint magazine, you know, or in Climbing magazine, like in an actual physical magazine, right? Um, you looked up to the people that were doing the climbs in your local area. Like I didn't know about Colorado climbing. I just knew about California climbing. So that's Yosemite. That's Bishop. Where I'm from, the Northern California, that's the coast stuff that Kevin Jorgensen and the Traversy brothers were doing. And Has it always been bouldering for you, by the way? No. Um, no. I The guy that owned the gym, Ruxilla, he's like an old Tahoe hard man, put up a ton of like trad stuff. So I've done a ton of like old school, very sketchy trad, lots of sport climbing, was never good at either. I mean, I'm not even claiming to be good at bouldering, but like not good at those at all, but that's how I got into it. Mm -hmm. But, but bouldering was always where I kept coming back to because I felt like I was only relying on myself. Mm. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't relying on anything else on anybody else. And I, I liked that aspect of it. Um, and so you, like I looked up to people that were doing the, what I deemed cool accomplishments in Bishop, in Yosemite, in Tahoe. So this is like Kevin Jorgensen, Carlo Traversi, Daniel Beale, these types, right? And they're still like my heroes. And I, I would like look up to them and see like what they're doing. And they're all doing these big aesthetic, obvious lines, just like, you don't even have to be a climber to walk up to the Mandala, to Ambrosia, to a any of these boulders and be like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like that's sick. If I was physically capable, I, I would want to be a part of that too. And so I, just, I assigned value to what they assigned value to. Cause it's like, well, these are the best guys that I'm aware of. This is what they're doing. This is what I want to do. So I focused on just like, and I love, it was so pure. It, was, it wasn't about the grade. It was about, that experience specifically with like a highball mm -hmm. so i got really into highballing and i loved it i mean i it, it love hate relationship because it's fucking terrifying but <laughs> sure. loved it like absolutely yeah, yeah. loved it and 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 i i, I kind of got to the point where i did the ones that i deemed safe enough there are some in bishop that specifically have like really loose rock and people don't talk about that mm. a lot but bishop has a really awful rock but i love it it can I, be really brittle it can yeah. be really brittle mm -hmm. i love it though so, you know, so I did like the luminance, the footprints, the evolution direct, like some of these bigger things that for me, I assigned value to, again, because I saw them do it. And I just, it felt so pure. I felt like it wasn't about the grade. It wasn't, it was just this like, almost like spiritual experience. I felt so connected to the climbing there. And after school, I wanted to move uh, to Boulder and I had met John Glassberg out here previously. I met Carlo and Daniel and all those guys while they were developing uh, Wolvo Land, which is what they were calling it, which is now Lincoln Lake. Um, and I remember asking Carlo, I was like, all right, like, where should I live? What should I do? What should I like? I'm psyched. I'm coming out, man. And he's like, don't move here. Hmm. Do not come out here. I was like, wait, you're like killing me right now. What? I'm like so psyched on moving to Boulder. It's the epicenter of, of climbing. And he's like, dude, it's just, it's like, you have such a pure engagement with the sport. Like this place has a way of changing that mm. because everybody here climbs V12, V13, V14, V whatever. Every, everybody climbs that hard. And it, it becomes about that. Mm. Whereas out there, like in that little safe 
bubble that you're in, it's just about doing Seven Spanish Angels at sunrise and just realizing how fucking awesome life is, mm. you know? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I disagree. <laughs> I'm going to move out there. Sure. Yeah. And so I did. And like very much was just like, I want to do V13. Because if I do V13, I will be all those things that you were saying earlier, validated, reassured, mm -hmm. enough. Did V13. Had a moment for sure of like, whoa, cool. And then like nothing happened. Mm. Nothing mattered. Nothing, nothing changed. I was like, God damn it. Okay, well... V14 is like obviously amazing and you can't take like maybe everybody climbs in V13 now because in Boulder, that's like the headspace you get mm -hmm. into because everybody feels like they're climbing V13 even though I know that statement sounds so awful. Mm -hmm. It feels like that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if I do V14, then, then I'll be in that tier, whatever that tier is, whatever that... And so I just, I, I obsessed. I, I tried a V13 seven, or V14 seven years before I did it. Wow. R right after Daniel did it, I was just like, that's so sick. Like, I, I want to go try that thing. And if Daniel Woods the one did that you, it. The one that you ended up the, doing? The one that I ended up What's doing. What's the name again? Mind to Motion. Mind to Motion. And I, one, it's just sick. It looks amazing. It's big. It's powerful. It looks cool. But Daniel Woods did the FA. And I've like idolized him and his climbing style forever. So like if he did it, He's on video saying it's hard. That's validation enough for me. Like, I don't need more than that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure now, like, you know, all the hard guys will come and say that the one I picked is soft. And I'm sure it is. I don't give a shit, though. It's fucking hard. And I tried it seven years before I ended up doing it. And I did a couple of the moves. Like, there's no bad holds on it, like we were talking about earlier. There's no bad holds. It's just a lot of movement. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm so far away from this. But I'm going to do this boulder. Like, Seven years beforehand, I was like, this is the one. I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it. I feel it. I feel it, it's got all the right things for me. It's big. It's obvious. It's proud. It's a little scary. And Daniel Woods did it. I'm going to assign value to this one. Kept coming back to it every year just to give it like a tease of like, all right, where am I? And I was just always so, so, so far away from it. Mm. And... So fast forward, I meet John. I mean, I, I knew John, but I, I really start to get to know John. I start climbing with John. We start climbing. And he really wanted to go do his first V15. I wanted to go do my first V14. We were like growing out and just like bonding. And I was like, all right, man, like, let's train. Let's take when it was seriously. This? Uh, this was 2019. This was the beginning okay. of 2019. We were like, let's, no, this was middle of 2019 yeah this was like summer maybe yeah summer of 2019 we're like all right like let's train let's like yeah. get psyched that makes sense i think i interviewed john like at the very end of 2020 yep and that episode came out in early 2021 and then yep. after he sent the nest we did a follow-up yep yeah 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 yep and so you guys had had like a year and a half or something training together yeah and and it was six months before i did my uh thing and it was a year and a half before he did his thing okay and the embarrassing part for me was like i had never hung on a hangboard at all like we didn't have a hangboard at rockzilla or at that's, like the gym i went to we should get into that later yeah that's pretty amazing like such a good reminder that like you don't have to hangboard your way to v13 yeah you'd already done all that stuff without yeah. just from rock climbing just from climbing climbing yeah. in the gym yeah, yeah. climbing in the gym yeah and and so I, we started training. We can we can definitely get into like the training training stuff if if you want to. But it, I mean it it like broke us. 
I mean, it was. How did you listen to that episode? I did. How accurate was was John's yeah, yeah. representation of the training? Because for people that want to hear that, like, yeah, want to hear how John Glassberg trains and how Alex trained <laughs> at this chapter, might be bad advice <laughs> based bad. on based yeah. on how you feel about it now. But if you want all that info, John and I went into incredible depth in that episode, in that two-parter with John. I think it was, yeah, episodes 52 and 3. So you can go back to that. So we're not going to cover the whole thing. Yeah. But I'm just curious, like... Yeah. Were, did you listen to it and think, like, that's not what... Are, like, yeah. was it accurate? Were there things missing? I think he downplayed it. Okay. I really think he downplayed it because... You were training even more than... Yeah, like, because we would do those exercises that that he was explaining, but we would do them all, like, in a day. And then do that four days a week, you know? Damn. And so like it, it, you know, John, John's a, a very accomplished, very humble guy. So I kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. And then we just did this thing. But like that dismissive comment is like the hardest <laughs> training thing that I've ever done. And so there was a little bit of me that was listening to it. I was like, God, man, it felt <laughs> a lot harder than that. Like it really felt <laughs> harder than that. Because um, the way he described it, I just re-listened to it. It was like, six weeks of training and you're climbing one day on the weekend and then you're either climbing, you're either having like one epic training session on a Wednesday or you're having a Tuesday, Thursday session. But it yeah. sounds like that's yeah. half of but, what. <laughs> yeah, but, and and maybe, yeah. And yes, but that epic Wednesday session was like once during that cycle. So it was always at least, so within the six weeks, because the six week was just a block. We started off like what it didn't say was like that was the refined version of it. We started off doing nine week blocks, mm. literally just nine weeks straight, four to five days a week, doubles, just awful. Damn. We got it to the point to where we realized like like I was getting injured, he was getting injured, our partners were not very happy with us, <laughs> and we needed to figure a way out to like continue doing this, and so. What he shared was definitely the refined version of it, mm. which we only did one of, but we did a couple of the other ones prior. Um, I mean, it was awesome. I look back on that as such a fond memory. I mean, I I, I did mine emotion. I did my project like that. Very like we got done training. I went out. I tried that V14 for maybe a month and did it. And after like, one cycle. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. After. See again, we didn't. The idea of a cycle wasn't in our, we would like do a nine week cycle. Yeah. And be like, well, let's start another nine week cycle. Like we would just like, it would, it was basically like six months of just. Got it. That was a cycle mm -hmm. with many little psycho cycles within it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how many technical cycles we're, we have all of our logs. We have all of our, all, all that. But you trained your ass off for six months basically. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was the most fun. I mean, I loved it, but. I, I mean, we broke. Like I, I, like I did. I remember, I did mine emotion, and part of it was like because of the way I did it. I did mine emotion. Uh, it was the, it was, the lockdowns were starting to happen, and there was a warning that I, I remember kept. I was tracking for COVID. It was like that area in our area. Everything was about to go into lockdown that next day or that next week or something, and they were like not sure. And I was like, Fuck, I'm so close but also not really like I got to go out there, but I was like working so much and I couldn't get anybody to go out there. So I hiked out, I mean, a ton of pads 
and went up at night, set up my lights, and just started like waging war with this thing. And I was like, I am not leaving until I do this because who knows what's going to happen at that point. A lockdown, like we didn't know what that meant, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, I mean, for those, so the boulder itself just to it basically breaks down into like a like a six move V12 into like a three to four move V11 V12 into like a mid like a like a rest. It's not really a rest; it's like an awful hole, but it's big. And then like an outro V9 V10 over like a death landing. Damn. And I was getting to that ledge like consistently. And just messing something. Honestly, I, I was I was just scared because I didn't have enough pads to cover the. I mean, it would have been like a 25, 30 foot thing fall into a you know, whatever. Yikes! N- not a great landing. Yeah, it was at night, and I was up there, and I was like, oh, this is like stupid. But uh, I don't know. I kind of just at one point I got to that ledge and decided I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it, and I did it, and it was great. But on the hike down, I remember just feeling like, oh, I think I pushed it too far. Like mm. my bicep is really hurting. My wrists are hurting. My hamstring, everything was just like, that might have been too much. But it felt worth it. It truly did feel worth it. It was different for me than the V13. It felt worth it. I drove home. I think I even like called my parents. I was like so psyched because they've been like, you know, a part of the climbing for a long time. And Oh, they have been? They've been aware of it, and, yeah, and yeah. they're very supportive of it. They don't climb, but they've been like very mm-hmm. supportive of it. Told my friends, and I, I was kind of like, "All right, I did it. I'm. That's what I said I wanted to do. I did it. The idea of doing a V15 sounds absolutely insane. Like the difference between grades. At a certain point, it just gets. It's not just oh, train harder, you'll do it. It's like no, you're never gonna do a V15. That's impossible. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'm never gonna improve objectively anymore because I'm not going to improve my grades anymore. Doing all of that again for another V14 sounds awful. And I've already done everything else. So wait a minute. What am I doing here? Why am I doing that? And I had like a mental breakdown with climbing. I Mm. like, yeah, I had a really, I mean, with my wife now, I was like having all these conversations with her and, and John. I mean, John was like, dude, you need to like go to Leavenworth and do a bunch of V8s and like love it and have fun with it. And I couldn't, in my head, I was just like, this is so lame to admit now, but in my head, I was just like, that's not worth it to me. That's Mm -hmm. not going to be fun to me. I've always assigned a value to difficulty. Mm -hmm. So going and having fun on very classic quality, objectively amazing V8s in Leavenworth Sounds like a waste of You're like, what's the point? Money and time to me. Yeah. And I hated that about myself. Mm. But I did feel it. And so mm. I I didn't quit climbing like all cold turkey, but I stopped for a few months. Mm. And I was just over it. And I was like, I don't I I, I didn't have a North Star. Mm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I had to, I had to get like really honest with myself about like why I started climbing and why I want to still climb. And it ended up not being that I wanted to go climb a V15. It ended up being, I like the personal challenge and the personal validation and the personal pride that comes with accomplishing a goal. And that goal doesn't always need to be the next number that you haven't climbed yet. It doesn't need to always be that. I can be, and it was that for a long time for me, but 
we literally, you know, you and I were chatting with my wife earlier in, in the garage climbing and we just got back from that trip that John recommended all those years later. <laughs> we just went to Leavenworth for two weeks and I went into it wanting to go do all these amazing 11s and I wanted to try the teacup and do all these things and realized I walked up and I saw a coffee cup and Kobe tie and I was just like, oh my gosh, those are beat to me beautiful looking, so pure, so obvious, so fun. I want to do those. Mm -hmm. So I did them. And then there were others. And I was like, wait, what about this one? What about this? And it ended up just being two weeks of me like running around, beating myself up, just climbing as many classic V8, V9, V7, whatever. I was like, I am obsessed with this grade here. It's perfect. It's so fun. <laughs> it's awesome. And I, and I, I just... I absolutely loved it. It felt so honest and so real and pure. And and uh, yeah, I feel a little bit more balanced now about mm. it. But yeah, back then after doing, yeah, that V14, I definitely had to question why I was still doing this. Yeah, you told me that you had to fall in love with climbing again yeah. after climbing V14. What did that look like? What did that actually look like? It was not a quick process. I hated it for a while because you hated climbing. You I hated, hated climbing for mm. a while because I wasn't having for for a couple of reasons. This is all like so like yeah. Uh <laughs> like weird to admit out loud to a bunch of people that are listening to this, but I I was gonna sound like so bad, but I would get an invite to go climb on this V10, let's say in Colorado. And I, I mean, I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't have less spare time with, with my work. So I'm always like, okay, like, is this worth it? Is, is this, is this trip worth it? Is this, is this day worth it? And I would literally think to myself, there's no way for me to succeed here. If I go out and I try this in V10, because I don't know how many V10s I've done. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't track all of them, but, but I, I, this is I, I've done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for not, I, I creeped yeah. on your 8A. For context, you've done hundreds or like well over 100 double-digit boulders. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, probably right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I've done that. I don't, I don't, I don't know like if I'm that excited by that. Well, okay, maybe I could try to flash it. Like that's a new challenge. That's a, but then if I don't flash it, it's a failure. And I know how crazy that sounds saying out loud, but that's, where, where my head at. was. It yeah. was so focused on that. And so I had to like climb out of that and realize like, these are actually some of my really close friends and I could have a fun day with them. Mm. And I don't even need to climb and I could have a good time out there. Mm -hmm. Obviously I want to climb because you know I'm, I'm a climber. So I started to realize, okay, well, I could go back and I could just fall in love with the movement of it again. Like I actually like moving. I like the movement of climbing. I think it's, especially if it's in your style, you know, it's so fun. It's, 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 it's addicting. And so I realized, okay, I need to take on this beginner's mindset again. Right, right around the same time I was, I was doing a lot of um, Muay Thai, which is a combat martial art thing. And you know, you're just getting your like literal ass handed to you. Like, and, and the only way to progress in that is to take on 
a beginner's mindset and is to realize like you are nobody. You don't have all the answers. Anybody in this class could knock you out. <laughs> like if if you go into a matchup or a whatever, a spar, like a little cocky, like that's going to be bad for you in an objective way. Mm. You have to be open to learning. And that's what clicked for me is like, oh, I think I've learned everything because I've climbed V14. Mm. I haven't. I climbed V14 in one style. There are V9s in other styles that I, I still can't do. Mm -hmm. And that started to get me really excited. It's like, oh, what do I want to go learn? Like, what could I go That's cool. improve on? And that was the, the click for me. It wasn't having fun outside with your friends and just enjoying the process, man, and like peace, love, and happiness. Like, that doesn't work on me. It was mm -hmm. very much like, oh, here's a new challenge. Mm -hmm. I could go and learn. And that's what started to like refuel it. Because now it's like, that's endless fuel. Mm. It's endless fuel. Yeah. Because you are never going to learn everything. Mm -hmm. You're never even going to master a style. You're ne it's never going to happen. So all of a sudden, that, I, I think that hurdle has been overcome, hopefully. Mm. Yeah. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Rumple. Fall is here. That means the temps are dropping and it's time to get cozy. And nothing is cozier than bundling up with the Sherpa Puffy Blanket from Rumple. As if the original Puffy Blanket wasn't cozy enough, the Sherpa Puffy Blanket combines impossibly soft Sherpa fleece with their original Puffy Blanket design. As all of you know, I live in a van, and the Sherpa Puffy Blanket has been ideal for adding extra warmth during these crisp fall nights. It's getting cold, and I've been sleeping with this thing every night for the past couple weeks, and it's almost too cozy. I absolutely love it. The Sherpa Puffy Blanket has a stain and water-resistant topside, anti-static and antimicrobial fleece. It's made from 100% recycled materials, and it's machine washable. And it's truly the coziest blanket I've ever owned. It's perfect for staying warm at the boulders or at the crag during the fall season. It's great for camping and just great to have around the house. Watch a movie, cozy up with this Rumble blanket. Head over to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Wonderful Pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, and I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff, something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, that's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good, you literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, Fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more.
And now back to the show. Yeah, that's really cool. Just kind of zooming out and redefining what a challenge is and what it means to sign yourself up for a challenge that's going to make you grow. What do you focus on specifically? Is it like focusing on what the boulder is going to teach you? You know, if it's a random V9 that you find really hard, what, what is it that keeps you excited? Yeah, I, I, I get really excited about the aesthetics of things. I also get excited about the history of things. And sometimes those contradict each other because sometimes <laughs> yeah. a very historic boulder is a very ugly boulder. Sure. But there are certain boulders that are historically meaningful. Like my first V8 was Midnight Lightning because I just chose that like that matters. That's so that is just what California climbers say is meaningful and I agree with it and I want to obsess over it. And so there are certain, like especially here in, in Colorado where there's so much climbing. I could, from our house right now, from where we're sitting right now, I could drive you half an hour up that canyon that I was talking about earlier and literally show you 50 double-digit boulder problems. Roadside. They're all right there. Three of them are good. <laughs> you know, like they're all there. So it's like, I'm not drawn to that. Like we mm. could go do that. We could have had a session there, but I wanted to have a session with you at the board because it's more productive. It's more, it's just, it's more productive. So I think whether it's the aesthetics or the history or like a certain skill that I'm trying to work on, like you and I were talking, like we both like, we now like that, you know, vacuum style, that mm -hmm. locked off Daniel Woods, you know, now Aiden Roberts style of just that. That's a fun challenge. It's fun to climb like that. So seeking out climbs that maybe have that is very fun. I'm terrible at slab climbing or vertical climbing. So my wife, Mallory, one of her big climbing accomplishments was climbing 606, that V10 in El Dorado Canyon. I think it's V12, maybe even V13. I think it's absolutely horrendous. I think it is the hardest thing I've ever tried. <laughs> and I don't get it. And I've seen her do it. And it's just beautiful watching mm. her do it. It doesn't look like she's trying. She just, she's just floating. And granted, it is her style. But still, like, I haven't, I mean, maybe I've done all the moves on it. I, I, I don't think I've done all the moves on it. And so every winter, I'm like, all right. Got it. Like I want to go and try. I don't want to go and try it, but I'm I'm inspired to go and try that because I am so far away from doing it, mm -hmm. and it's a V10. Yeah, I've done many V10s, but for some reason, this style, this angle, these types of holds, I'm like a complete beginner, and so that's a fun challenge. I mean, it's, again, it's not, it's, it's not a fun challenge. Fun mm -hmm. is the wrong word. It's a meaningful challenge. Yeah. I love that distinction because it's hard to capture that in words. You know, it's like, why do we as climbers do so many of the things that we do that aren't type one fun or that aren't pleasant? It's not that I want to go do, do this. It's that I want to challenge myself and that brings me fulfillment and I'm inspired by this challenge. Yep. It's, yeah, I, I find it really interesting because there's a lot of climbers who um, don't connect with that and they, you know, they're just like, well, why don't you just go do something that is fun? You know, sure. and it's like, well, yeah, sometimes I do want to go just have fun, but it's kind of like eating chocolate cake all the time. Like I just don't feel as good. I don't feel as nourished or fulfilled, you know? Yeah. And it feels like 
you gotta have some vegetables. You gotta have some steak and potatoes. Like, gotta have some wine. <laughs> you know, exactly. It 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 feels like I feel how I think about it is like. So when I did mind to motion, a couple strong, very you know, objectively strong people that I know said, "Oh, now that you've reached this new height, you should go try this one, or you should go try that one, or now you should go try this." And I just all V14s, just all V14s, maybe even V13s. And I had to be like, guys, appreciate it. It's very sweet. It's very humbling. But like, I need a nap, dude. Like, I'm so tired. And just because I did this power endurance compression thing that requires a good head does not mean I could go do that fingery locked off thing. Mm hmm. It, 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 like I am, I was, I mean, I'm still not, but was not a well rounded climber. I found one style that I was good at, wrote it to the top, and then realized, uh oh, I have holes in my game, like glaring holes in my game. And so I've like proactively and consciously lowered the objective grade number to do more challenging things to me. Because mm. I do, like, I, I mean, I talk about it with with Mal all the time, like, oh, there's this V14, there's this thing that's, like, so my jam and is so sick. I want to just go obsess over it and, like, do it. Mm -hmm. But I still can't do Clear Blue Skies, which is a V11 in Colorado uh, on my favorite bouldering wall. It's on the Dolly wall. It's at... I don't know what the altitude. I don't. I don't know what the altitude is, but it's it's a very simple, bored, heinous little V11 slash V13. Like it's it's brutal. I think Nick Rumble said the exact same thing. He yeah. was like, "It's either V11 or V13, depending yeah. on who you ask." I've like, I've so talked funny. to so many people about it because I'm like, "What the? <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what am I?" Yeah. And everybody's either like, "Oh yeah, it wasn't that bad." V11. It's like, "All right, you're not my audience." Like, <laughs> or they're like, "Oh yeah." absolutely heinous v13 i i'm hmm. gonna take all the points for it. it's awful and so for me it, in my head it's like well if i can't do that and the community says that's three grades lower than this other thing that i've done mm -hmm. i don't want to say it robs me of the v14 but it does make me think well maybe i shouldn't go try another one of those v14s that's just in that same style Without a, without like addressing this weakness, because mm -hmm. I do want. It's not that I'm inspired by clear blue skies. It's maybe one of the worst looking lines on that wall. It's very short. You can reach like the finish hold almost from the from from the ground almost. But it's the Colorado crimp, like fist crimp test piece, and I just. I want to do that. <laughs> I want to know that I can do that. It's yeah. not about the grade. It's so it's so not about the grade. It's yeah. like if you can do that, you've got your fence crimping badge, and yeah. I don't have that. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to to come to terms with that and realize that and sort that out before moving on. Mm. And for whatever reason, because I live here, I've assigned value to that one. Mm. If you live in California, maybe it's in the Mandala or. This, right, you know, I don't know, Thunderbird or like one of these heinous, just brutal crimp stained glass. Mm. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe that's the, like, for, I've just assigned value to it. 
and and now I have now I'm just like obsessed over it. I have to do it. Yeah. I think I think it's really interesting. We um I think it's interesting to like hold space for both of those things, right? Like the V14 that you did is an incredible accomplishment and the fact that this random V11 that doesn't suit your strengths as well is harder for you and you can't do it yet doesn't take away from that, but it's also important to I don't know. I mean, it totally depends on the person. It's really individual, I think. But I, I, I fully resonate with what you're saying. I think um, I've learned that it's important to have both. And I've almost done the opposite, where I think early on in my climbing, my first five years when I was, you know, cutting my teeth in Leavenworth, I rode my strengths to the top of my peak at the time. Like I climbed V10 when I was like a V7 climber because I just got good at squeezing shit, you know? And then I was like, I can't hold on to things. I really want to be able to hold on to holds. Like this is so annoying, you know? Exactly. I have to have like a palm-sized feature to be able to climb hard and that's annoying to me. I want to be able to like climb, you know, on in-cut crimps on a 45, even if it's V6, I can't do that. Um, so that's where I was at. And then I went way the other way. And for the next probably six, seven years, basically like my whole Smith chapter, but all my bouldering was kind of the same at the time too. I was so obsessed with, with filling those holes um, that I kind of lost the plot and I kind of forgot what I was good at and what I really enjoyed the most in climbing. And now I've kind of like, I'm trying to put it all together and it's really hard, but I'm like, okay, I love steep climbing with better holds, but I also want to be able to hold on to crimps from time to time and kind of be well-rounded and do it all. But, um, but yeah, something I've been working on in the last few couple years is realizing like it's okay to stretch in my strengths to try to climb you know for me my first v12 or eventually my first v13 it's okay if like you know like i got close on black shadow in rocklands this summer and didn't do it but that was that was an intentional choice that i think was an, an important yep. challenge for me and i got shut down by a lot of nines and tens in rocklands you know it's not like i was if I had done Black Shadow, it's not like I could have gone on to the next V12. Like ex I know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah, it's it's interesting to hold both of those because I think I think the most fulfilling thing is to kind of have a balance between the two. I think that's right, and and I think it's about being honest about what you want from climbing mm. because you can have anything you want in climbing. Right, you can grade chase. I have nothing wrong with that. If you are open and honest about Doing yeah, super it, individual. I think yeah. it's great. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. You want to go climb the hardest thing and you will find the path of least resistance, meaning you will find the boulder of least resistance for you mm -hmm. to achieve a grade, a badge. I don't see anything wrong with that. Do your thing. It's your, your journey with your climbing has no impact on me and my climbing. If that's what you want from it, do it. Where I think people get stuck, because this is where I get stuck, is when I don't when I'm not being honest about what I want mm. from climbing, that that's when I start to get into trouble. And and what I've realized, I mean, it's, it was funny listening to you talk about your Leavenworth days because for me, I was like, yeah, fuck, same thing. I was like, if I couldn't squeeze features together and get my heel wrapped around something, I was not doing the boulder, <laughs> like, mm. for sure. I, I, I fit that to a T. Yeah. And I was always so drawn to watching climbers yeah just rage on these cramps lock off get in their shoulders pull in with the toe and like 
isometrically move to the next edge while keeping the toe on. I might do the move, but my feet would cut and I would scream and I would just, ugh, it was awful. And I hated that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I am activated by wanting to climb like that. Mm. How do I do that? And then there's all these like, you know, ways that you can start to improve in that style and it takes forever. And I'm still very much on the journey. But again, I think it's just about being honest about what you want. Like deep down, yeah, maybe someday if, you know, enough of the right things go right, maybe I would like to try a V15 for sure. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like that's not on my radar, mm -hmm. but I'm not actively pursuing that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pursuing a higher baseline now. Yeah. Right. Like instead of this year, I want to go do another V14. It's like, no, this year I want to go do a V12 in different styles once a quarter. Quarter is how my business is run. So that's how my brain works. Every <laughs> three months, I want to go do a V12. I want to do a V11 every month. And every time I go outside, I want to go do a V10, V9, V8, something fun. I, I, I want to be consistent. I want to be really consistent. And I've done V12s. So it's not like a, I mean, to me, it's still a, a big deal. To me, it's still a big grade. But I'm not like pushing any limits or standards by any means. But my baseline is improving. So it's not maybe impressive to anybody else. But for me, the fact that I could go do a roof V12, a vert V12, a thuggy V12, a crimpy V12, to me, and, and all relatively quickly, maybe within two to four days, to me, that's progress. Mm -hmm. That's improvement. It's not, it's, so it's, again, it's just about being honest about what you're looking for. I'm looking for yeah. consistency and, and a, a slower rate of improvement, but a more thorough, more meaningful, more durable uh, type of improvement. Mm -hmm. So like we were talking about earlier, when I do get to maybe trying another V14, when I do that V14, you said it well earlier, I will have arrived at V14. Right. It's, I'm here now. Yeah. I did it. And I think I could go try a V15 now. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, wow, I honestly can't believe I did that V14. And it's <laughs> crazy that it fit my style. And it's crazy that like I made that work. But like, I cannot do another one. I can't even do another V13 right now. Mm -hmm. I can't even do another V12. I was so singularly prepped for that boulder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very different accomplishment than somebody that is climbing consistently at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And so I had to lower the difficulty, lower the standards, focus on the details, focus on the skills, focus on the weaknesses and strengths and start to slowly build back up but it takes time. Like you were saying, it's like, how do you put it all together? Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but I think the answer is somewhere along the lines of it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes a much longer time frame. but I, I, I am making a bet that that plan will work Yeah. over, over enough time. Love that. It's exciting. Yeah. So you and I were just out in your garage having a session on your home wall and I was kind of picking your brain because I knew I wanted to talk to you about this. I was kind of picking your brain about the training you did with Glassberg, you know, the 10 moon board hardest <laughs> climbs and the two a days and all that stuff. Because yeah. um, I was, I, you know, I was driving down here this morning listening to John's episode again and I was getting psyched. I was like, yeah. damn, I've never, I still haven't done 
this exact training cycle. Like I've been wanting to do this and then you kind of talked me out of it. But um, it was the way you framed it um, is something that I've experienced. So it was really interesting to to hear you talk about it. Like basically it sounds like you guys just went so hard on like sharpening the sword, yeah. so to speak. You were, yeah. you were both able to, you trained your asses off, you beat your bodies down and you really sharpened to this pretty next level peak. You yeah. climbed your first V14. It took John a little while, but he climbed the nest V15. But then he had the same experience that you're talking about. Like I remember hearing that kind of third hand through um, Alex Johnson because, you know, she did the swarm and um, she and John were both just like, oh my God, we're so like wrecked after finally achieving these big goals. And it's almost like you got to go back to baseline and rebuild. And and yeah, I I feel like I was obsessed with finding that program or that protocol that was going to allow me to make that kind of a breakthrough for mm -hmm. a lot of years in my climbing. And then I kind of tasted it and realized, no, what I actually want is I want like a much slower, steadier build so that by the time I climb V13, I'm actually just a way stronger and better climber because I want, I don't want to climb V13 and then not be able to like climb V10s quickly. I want to arrive at that different version of me, you know, that can, that can, you know, climb a V13 with a lot of effort, but then I'm just way better than I am now. I, I could feasibly stretch to V13 from where I'm at now, you know, but then I'd be, I'd be back to projecting V10s and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's a time and place for that. Like, I think eventually in my climbing, I do want to like really stretch for something, you know, but if it's from that higher baseline, maybe it'll be a V14 or 15. That doesn't even matter. The reason I want to level up is because it just opens up so many more cool things to do. And it also, the reason I've gotten sucked back into bouldering is because I want to become a better sport climber. And I was noticing on all these hard routes in St. George, like all these steep overhanging limestone routes. I mean, it probably seems, it probably seems like I'm making a, um, an excuse or something to people listening that know that I've done hard boulders like V11s and stuff. But some of those V8 boulders that are kind of like moonboard style in those limestone caves, because, you know, Joe Kinder yep. is putting these things up and he loves climbing on the moonboard <laughs> yep. and they just turn out that way. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're fucking hard for me. And it's a yep. V8 and I can do it, but I have very little margin and I can barely stop and make the clips off some of these holds. And it's like 14A or B, you know, like I, I want to be ready for that level, you know? I don't want to squeak one out after like years and years of effort. Right. Yeah. And and I think being honest about that's important. And 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 the way that you've explained, you know, so I, you know, I've been a, a fan of the podcast for a long time. I've been a patron for, you know, a while. Appreciate and, you. Yeah, of course. And so I, I've heard, you know, your your version of of the story that you're willing to share. And and it does seem like, yeah, you had a style, you leaned into it. It worked well. You kind of tapped out the area that you, that that you could at that time, focused on solely weaknesses. But then maybe you're starting to question. Well, wait a minute. Like I also have strengths. It's not like I don't have strengths. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. Why am I ignoring mine or or yeah. devaluing mine? Mm -hmm. And what's the best way to combine the two? How do I do that? That's a special. That's special. It is if you can, you know, hone out enough of the glaring weaknesses. Not all of them. You just don't. Like I'm awful at toe hooks, just objectively. And 
part of me wants to work on it. And the other part of me doesn't give a shit because I'm not climbing in like steep caves like that all the time. I'm climbing. I want to be climbing on, you know, board style. Like I want to be climbing on the dolly wall. I don't need to improve my toe hooking to climb the mandala or something on the dolly wall Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Like I don't need that. I don't need to go, like I need finger strength. I need strength endurance. I need core. I need, you know, I need the shoulders. shoulders so, okay, yeah. great. I'm going to go do that. That's what I'm going to do. Like, that's what I want to work on. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think that there's so much value to what you're saying of like, like if it, I think it's okay to want to sneak through and just it get totally that one is. little thing. It totally is. But yeah. you got to be honest about it. And I, and I should, I should like clarify all the things I'm saying, like my opinions that I'm sh- sharing about like, what's the most fulfilling I'm talking about for me. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about like, yeah. this is what I've realized. It's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. what I want. This is yeah. what I've realized makes me feel fulfilled because squeaking something out and then feeling like I'm back to the same baseline as before. It's what you it's, said about challenge and progress. Yeah. Like I want to grow. I want to right. evolve and, and become a better climber. And I, I know that you can't like, you know, you're not always performing at the same level all the time. There's going to be ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys and stuff, and that's fine. But I want to, at least for, you know, the next decade, I want to see my baseline creep up and up and up. Right. That's fulfilling. And that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I love that. And But for other people, like, do do whatever you want yeah. to do. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I really do think it was just the perfect storm. Like, John and I are wired very similarly, like outside of climbing even. We're both just very similar demands on our time. We just, we think about things pretty similarly. We match each other with that sort of, just like very intense, aggressive energy. And it was, again, it was just the perfect storm. He was like very eager to go and push himself, wanted a training buddy. I, you know, was fortunate enough to to be around. And so I said, okay, let's do it. And I, I mean, I really don't think I, I would have done, I mean, I know I wouldn't have done that boulder without him as a partner because, I mean, the training that I can do on my own just locked away in my little dungeon here, I'm proud of it. I, I really do think I... I try hard. I push myself. I really do. I try to try hard. That's kind of my superpower. It's not strength. It's just persistence and try hard. But there's something different when you're like locked in with somebody and you're both just very much on the same page about like, we're trying to level the fuck up here and we need to do this workout to get there, which means we need to do our 10 hardest boulders we can do on the moon board in an hour. It's, there's just another level of intensity. I mean, we were, I mean, the amount of pre-workout we were taking was so <laughs> unhealthy, but it was just, I've never felt more aggressive. I've never felt more <laughs> locked in. I've never felt more... Uh, like an animal. Yeah, like truly. And w- w- we both were. We were just like raging all, and it was, I mean, it was awesome. And, and again, like you need, there is a bit of that that I think what I at least need, and he apparently needed as well. Because mm-hmm. when he was uh, prepping for the nest too, I mean, it was the same thing. I didn't have like a specific objective in mind, 
But I was like, all right, dude, let's do let's let's dive back in. Let's dive back into the dungeon and like make it happen again. And mm. there's a different level of intensity when when you you and your partner, whoever or, or or your group is on the same page and you're all just committed to the cause, you know, <laughs> because it it, it, it it means that like, if you're like a little tired, like oh, I probably shouldn't push it. It's like, no, fuck that, push it, let's do it. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a different energy than maybe if I'm myself, I just got off a long day of work, I'm exhausted. I gotta like, I, I, I want to go spend time with my wife tonight. I, I have a meeting early in the morning, like I'll skip that last set. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not an option. And And so it does work. It just, it does mean you have to sacrifice other parts of your life. You just have to go into it knowing that and being honest about that. And we just committed to this idea of like, he's definitely way more of a pro climber than I am. He's, I mean, just, you know, a whole other league. But we had this idea of like, well, what would it be like if we treated ourselves like a pro climber? Mm. We still had like companies to run and shit to do. (laughs) So we just weren't sleeping a lot. We were just exhausted (laughs) all the time. But it was like, well, what would that be like? Yeah. Well, we would do a two a day. We would like we would do a two a day, and we would eat a lot of protein, and we would like do a lot of this and do a lot, and we were just like, well, let's do like let's see what that would feel like, mm. and we did, and it was our life was hard climbing, and it, I mean it was awesome, but for us it just it wasn't a sustainable thing. Mm-hmm. But you can always go back to it, you know. You can always like. Do you think you ever will to that style of training? Um. If if I ever decide like, if if I ever get to the point to where maybe I haven't arrived at V15, but I feel it's like within strong, and I'm like, oh, maybe. god damn, like oh, I could <laughs> like maybe go and do it. Um, the honest answer is I would probably ask Ollie. I would I would be like, all right, man, like I think I'm at a physical emotional place to maybe go make a run at this. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Here's what I did in the past. You'll probably throw up at what we did in the past, <laughs> but like, here's, here's, here's what I did in the past. Like, what do you think? Because I mean, it did work. It for sure worked. Um, so I, yeah, m- maybe is the short answer. Uh, I just, I would much rather spend this year being consistent at V12 and next year, being even more consistent at V12 and maybe a little bit of V13. And then the next year being really consistent at V13. And then the next year, V13 and maybe a little V14. And then the next year, mm-hmm. maybe I, I would, I know that's a long ball play, but I plan to be doing this for as long yeah. as my body's able. So it's yeah. like, well, that, that seems like a more logical approach yeah. than like, let's get these hangboard numbers up to a certain number and then let's go try the nest and let's make it happen. Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's exciting too, because there it's getting easier. I think easier and easier to buy into that long game, you know, um, with so many more examples all the time. Like I just had an interview with Martin Keller. Yeah. I just watched another it. So sick. 16 at, um, at 45. 45, dude. Yeah. So sick. Yeah. His hardest thing ever at 45. Like yeah. that's, he's not just like still, maintaining that top level he's like peaking yeah that's rad i i'm so inspired by that guy yeah i think it's so awesome i he yeah i've i've never actually met him but we've crossed paths a a lot i you know when i went out to switzerland he like let us use some of his pads we 
we uh, we chat on, on on Instagram sometime. He's he's such a thoughtful guy, and he's so he he very much has that like John Glassberg sort of aura that like there's there's this energy when you're around it that's just very much just like Stephen. I don't understand why you wouldn't just commit to this and just do it. <laughs> it's so obvious. The path is just. The the conditions are the best at four in the morning. Yeah. Why why would you not be there at four already warmed up and, and caffeinated? Yeah. Just just do that. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I need that to be like, I mean, it kind of is as simple as that. Like mm. that, uh, yeah, maybe I do just need to like like get out of my lifestyle a, a little bit, you know, and, and realize, yeah, I mean, I guess the conditions are good at two in the morning. So why am I not just committing to that. Why am I, oh, well, I'm not committing to it because like I have other responsibilities and other things that I have to do. And, mm-hmm. and that 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 would make one of those have to take a backseat. And I'm not willing to do that. But there are levers to pull. Mm-hmm. There are definitely levers to pull. When, but I think as, as I get older, I'm, I'm learning like which levers are right to pull when. Mm-hmm. And how many times can you pull those levers? Yeah. And I can pull that, you know, we used to call that that training group. We used to there was a name for it at, at movement because everybody was always like watching us. We're all like, "You guys are like this is stupid. What you guys are doing? We're like running around doing four by fours on a moon board with like a weight vest on. <laughs> like it was so dumb. I yeah. mean, again, it works, but it was just so we're like screaming, taking over all the like all the training areas. And yeah. It's like how many more of those do I have in me? You know, right. I, I I don't know what the answer is. Well, here's here's the thing about that. I mean, it, it's so cool that you guys were like, what would pro climbers do? Let's just pretend to be those people and then do that and see what happens. I definitely connect with that. I have done that too. I definitely understand that way of thinking. And the thing that took me a long time to understand is that yeah, you can do that. It's not terribly complicated. Like I've interviewed a lot of these pro climbers and like what they do isn't complex. It's not easy, but it's not complex. But just copying the training that they do is really only half of it. And if you're also working a full-time job and you're trying to have a wife and a, you know, a social life and you're just cutting sleep because that's the only way you can fit it all in. That's not what the pro climbers are doing. Right. So you're like nailing half of it and you might get some results for a while, but it's, it's like literally not the same thing. And and it's not smart to just copy and, and expect to be able to do that season in season out the way that they can. If they're, if their full time job is recovery and nutrition and sleep and, all those other pieces. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and during that time too, you because you brought, I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent. So now that. I'm like, okay, I need a different strategy altogether. Exactly. Yeah, e- exactly. And we, we didn't even like talk about the nutrition piece of that because we can, well, no, no, no. I mean, I, the only reason I was, I was going to bring it up was just because I, as you were talking about that, like what would a pro climber do? That was the one, I mean, that was one of the many things that we just dropped the ball on seriously because- <laughs> On nutrition. On nutrition, because we were basically just like- Except your pregame, your pregame yeah, is dialed. Yeah, oh dude, we, we had that fight milk, like every- the Fight milk. That's what we called it. We had that fight milk before every every session. But it was just, I mean, we were eating like literally anything. We were so deficient in everything because we were just- like it was just training and work and training and work and training and work and training and work. And I was doing this like fucking sober October challenge with with a 
a buddy of mine or a, a group of around like at the same time. So, and that ended up going months because we just didn't want to give up. So that was all just like, after all this, we would just like go to 24 hour fitness and get on the bike with like a stack of Oreos and just like eat as much as we could and burn as much as we could and sit in the sun. It was like all of it was so awful, but it works. And now like with a little bit of hindsight, a little bit more structure in my life, I'm like, okay, well, it's not realistic to try to emulate that. And it's it's definitely not realistic to try, to try to emulate. Like I've listened to you know again the podcast and like certain pro climbers on that are are in, in bouldering. You'll like listen to their lifestyle. I'm like, oh man, like I just cool. I did get a nugget out of this. I did get a couple nuggets out of the but like I cannot do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. The physics of my life don't line up. Mm-hmm. I have work, I have climbing, and I have my family and friends, and I am at a place where I'm not willing to sacrifice my commitment to any of those. Mm-hmm. So then how do I optimize the climbing? Because I'm not going to not see my wife. I'm not going to lose sleep because I, I've, I've played with, I've played with sleep a lot. I've been like, how little can I get away with? <laughs> and it's a surprisingly small amount for sure. But with the more, with more other responsibilities that have come in in my life, I've just realized, okay, I actually can't operate on four hours. It's just not reasonable. Mm-hmm. If I'm just doing the climbing, I can do that. But if I'm doing the climbing and all this other stuff, I, I, I just can't. Okay, I need the six, I need the seven, maybe even the eight someday, who knows, maybe. But the idea is, okay, if those are my constraints, if I have that many hours in the day and I have these other commitments, and I've already made it clear to everybody in my life, Tuesday and Thursday, I'm fucking training. So after work, so I'm not hanging out. I'm not talking to you. We're not. <laughs> then like, what is, and if I'm saying no to all the fun things on the Saturday, Sunday, because I'm going climbing, like, how do I optimize those four days? But there are a million things you can do. Mm-hmm. Like the quality of your session, the intention of your sessions, the intention of your season, mm. I feel like is so important. I feel like so many people get pulled into like the boulder of the week or just like, oh, like you want to go try this? You want to go try this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I almost say no to all those things. I'm like, no, I don't want to go do that. But this is going to be fun. I know it'll be fun, but it doesn't line up with what I want to do. I want to work towards a scenario where I can do this boulder in the winter and I have a thoughtful way of getting there. And that is literally running in the opposite direction of that goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to do that. There's so many little things that you can change to your session without like changing the physics of your life. Yeah. That I feel like have a huge impact. Yeah. yeah. I want to dive into the Ollie tour chapter in a minute, but that cued something that you said in the garage. Um, I'm so glad this just popped to mind because I thought it was really interesting and we should talk about it. You know, because of course, like now you've learned a lot more about training. You started off with John, like having never hung on a hangboard before, which is amazing, but you'd already climbed V13. So I think you have a lot of insight into how to get a lot better at climbing without having to worry about any of that shit. Um, Any of the training stuff, you know, for people that just want to keep it really simple or get more out of just climbing. You were telling me about seeing Will Anglin Mm -hmm. and a conversation that you had with him after climbing with him. And I'm going to have him on the show uh, very soon. So so this is awesome timing. But yeah, tell me about meeting Will and his advice for you. Yep. 
So uh, I'm going to get these dates completely wrong, but um, this was this this was right around. When, I don't have a fact checker. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Fun. There you go. This was right around when the the first the the, the TB one was coming out, or maybe it had already come out, and it was right around that time. Whenever that was, it was like ten years ago, I think something like that. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. So maybe it was like a little after. I I I I don't know the, the exact dates, but he he was uh, the tension brand was starting to become more and more uh, of a powerhouse. At least in Colorado, I don't know how it was perceived elsewhere. But here it was like, oh, okay, those guys are doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, Will had written a couple blogs that. I was really drawn to. I thought they were very thoughtful. I mm-hmm. loved the way he broke things down. He's he's both this like deeply analytical mind, but has the ability to not let the like the science or the math like block him from like thinking intuitively about yeah. things as well. Yeah, he's really analytical without just being a robot. Exactly. He's, he's like he, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. And and I latched onto that pretty quickly with just like listening to him do different podcasts and talk about things. I was like, oh, you're saying something in a way that nobody else is, and I'm latching onto it. And by happenstance, we both this is such a random story. By happenstance, we both ended up being in a wedding where we didn't really know that we were groomsmen. And then <laughs> like we didn't really know, it wasn't really clear. It was like a very small wedding yeah. here in Boulder. <laughs> and like we're doing the ceremony and it's kind of over that. and like it got time to speeches and we we're both just like sitting there waiting for speeches and our partners were nudging us and they were like, I think you're the, I think you're the, like, I think you need to say something. Like, and we were just like, oh, fuck. like my face just got hot. Yeah. It, was, dude, like, it was so I nervous. Was, to, oh, it was ner- we, to think know, about had, an impromptu wedding oh, speech. Dude. And I, I had just met him. <laughs> like I had just met Will and I, I don't know any of these people. And I was just like, all right, man, like we're about to get like real tight real quick. We're going to get up, you know, so we got up there and we did our best to be genuine. But even in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, like you were able to get genuine. Like I think we really tried. So I, I had this impression of him was just like, to your point, you're not just a robot. And so I was trying to improve. I was at a plateau. I was just like, why do I suck so much? <laughs> like I can't improve. What is going on here? And I liked the way that his brain worked. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, like, I'd be interested in some coaching if you're doing that or like a session or something. I'd love to just like work with you. And he says, yeah, come down by the shop. Let's have a session. And I rolled up and it was, I'm I'm probably going to forget people. It was him, Ben Spanith, also freak, like absolute monster on a board. Uh, Nick Milburn, obvious, like freak. Um... There were a couple others there, but those are the ones that stood out to me. And I was like, okay, this is going to be like a rough, you know, this this is not going to go well for me, basically. You know, and they had it kicked back to like 60 and they were working on like this Echelé V14 shoulder boulder trainer thing. And I was like, okay, what am I, dude, I'm just going to leave. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to be here. You know, but they were all very welcoming. He was, he was very kind. And he, he basically just like had me start to session and climb around. And he pretty quickly just like, saw like a really glaring flaw and pulled me aside and he goes, dude, you don't need like coaching. You need to stop crimping everything. Hmm. Like you're only crimping. You're literally like thumb over the index crimping. If it's a pinch, like an obvious pinch with a thumb, you're crimping it. If it's a sloper, 
you're crimping it. If it's an edge that you, in theory, should be able to either drag on or, you know, chisel half, whatever, you're crimping it. Like, what are you doing, man? And I, I was like, I am like watching you guys, do, you know, actually grab those like heinous TB1 holds with like the thumb, like they're like little, they're just these awful those little, little square, wood like exactly plate pinch things. Just, and I was like, I can't, I, I physically can't do that. And he's like, okay, you need to climb with rules. You need to, you need to climb with rules. I was like, I don't know what you mean. Like, <laughs> you know, I grew up watching like Chris Sharma climb where it's all about <laughs> freedom and love and just get outside, man. And like, whatever. And smoke a bowl and forget the rules, man. Exactly. That's how I, you know, I was like, all right, what are you talking about, bro? And he's like, if, if you go up to a climb and it has a pinch on it, a clear, it's a pinch. Grab it as a pinch. If it's a sloper, open hand it. If it's an edge, don't crimp on it. Get that chisel grip going. Start to work on your drag. Don't just crimp everything. In fact, don't crimp inside. Mm. Don't crimp inside. Just crimp on the outside when you you know have to. And I don't think like he was saying nobody should ever crimp inside. That's not what he was right. saying. For but me, he this was is your, saying the prescription for you exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it really, you know, and 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 I mean, it ended up being a very humbling session. I mean, he, he was a very sweet. I'm, I don't even know if he'll remember this. He was so like he was like such a big deal around. I mean, he still is, but he was just like very much like into all that. And I was just asking for some advice, and he nailed it. And I remember going back to the gym and being like, okay, like this is actually really intimidating because what I, I did realize I was like after my warm up, I'm crimping everything. So I would go to this like V five on the third degree wall and it's a bunch of pinches and slopers. And I literally had like anxiety about pulling onto it because I've climbed B13. Like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> I should be able to do this yeah. in the way that it's intended. Right. And I had so much social anxiety of like, I'm going to pull onto this. And like, Will's not there. Will's not going to know, but I, I, I want to do, I want to follow the advice. I'm going to pull on and I'm, not going to do it. I'm going to fall on this V5, on this V7, on this V8, whatever, on a grade that I shouldn't be falling on. And I had so much weird, bullshit, vanity-like anxiety around it. And it took one fall off of like a V5 or something to be like, okay, just <laughs> lean into this. And then I just, le I, I like fully leaned into that for like a couple of years. Mm. I took that on and it changed my climbing like forever. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, whoa, actually crimping isn't, isn't even my superpower. Mm. I'm actually much better at these other things. And actually, I really like, oh, this makes so much. And it, it just, I mean, it sent me down a path of, of not just not just like grabbing holds how they're intended, but climbing with rules and climbing with intention, right? Mm -hmm. Like in a commercial gym, part of the reason why I don't really climb in commercial gyms anymore is because there are no rules. So it doesn't fucking matter. And the that the boulders that they set don't actually prepare you for outside. And I know that because I've been climbing like all the V12s at these gyms and then I go outside and I am just useless. Mm. It's like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, well, it kind of does. You're just grabbing big slopey features and squeezing them together and then you go to the dolly wall and expect <laughs> to, you know. Grab an eight mil grab cramp. Grab an eight mil cramp. It's yeah. like, what are you doing, dude? Mm -hmm. Like prepare for the task at hand. Mm -hmm. Right, climb with intention. Like this boulder that I want to do, that clear blue and others there, it's like, 
I need to be fist crimping. I need to have awkward feet up in my face. I need to keep tension through the feet. My feet can't cut. So going and doing the squeezy V12 on the movement 45 doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So he has set me down this path of like climbing with rules and climbing with intention. And it, I have a lot less fun during these sessions, but I am so much more productive. And I think my climbing outside speaks for itself because of that. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Love it. Yeah. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage, the official climbing nutrition sponsor of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. Fizzy Vantage is the leading brand in climbing nutrition, with more than 40 professional climbers now using Fizzy Vantage products daily to support their training and climbing performance. Many of those names are people I have had on this show, and there's a reason they're all using FizzyVantage. Visit FizzyVantage.com to learn more about their many innovative research-based nutrition products and supplements, including their revolutionary supercharged collagen. That's my personal favorite. I take that one every day. I'm rocking the peach mango flavor right now. The performance boosting Endurex, that's great for sport climbers and trad climbers, and their delicious protein supplements, weapons grade whey, and the plant-based Powerplex. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off any full-priced nutrition product. That's NUGGET15 at checkout, and you can find a direct link to this coupon right there in your podcast app. In addition to the support from our amazing sponsors, this episode is brought to you by many of you who listen to the show. One of the primary means I get support for this podcast is direct support from listeners on Patreon. For just $5 per month, you can get instant access to more than 150 hours of exclusive content and more than 80 patron-only episodes with new episodes coming every month. You can listen to the patron version of the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or watch uncut videos of all of my episodes. And if that's not enough, you'll get your questions featured on the show and you'll get every episode ad-free. So you will never have to skip through ads again. You can learn more at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. It only takes a few minutes to sign up. You can cancel at any time. No questions asked. And right now you can get a seven day free trial. So you can check it out, see what all the fuss is about literally for free. That's patreon.com slash the nugget climbing or scroll down and click on the link right there in your podcast app. I appreciate you guys for listening and thank you so much for your support. And now back to the show. When did you decide to work with Ollie Tour? Where were you at in your climbing at the time? Yep. And why? What were you hoping to get out of it? Yeah. Um, so after I had uh, climbed with, I mean, it's not, it's not like I don't climb with John anymore, but after I'd done that training stint with John and I had kind of fallen back in love with climbing again, um, I was, I was, I had a good fall season where I did. Um, dark waters, which is an important climb for me here again, because it's a, a Daniel Woods climb that he he put up. Um, I did some others. I, I was doing V12s like for me pretty regularly, which is a big deal. Um, and I just went to Red Rocks on my first trip there. 
I did a V12 there, which is, I've never done a V12 on a trip. Like we were talking about, like I have a hard time with trip climbing. So I, I did a V12 on a trip and I was like, oh, like short trips, like a week. So I was like, oh, like maybe I'm a little bit better than I think I am right now. Like this is, this is pretty cool. And I thought still though in my head, I was like, I can't get on a 45 and just like, like you were explaining earlier, grab the small edge and do the thing on it. Like I, I can maybe compared to what I used to be able to, but it's still such a glaring weakness of mine. And at that time I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I could start to build back up to that V13, V14, maybe someday V15 level. But I realized like I couldn't redo that training program that I did with John because I just, I, my body couldn't take it anymore. Hmm. And I didn't know how to build the training program. Like I, that's just not my expertise. I didn't grow up training. I didn't grow up with that stuff. I grew up trying hard and doing business things. Like I don't know how to build a training plan. So I asked around, everybody has such strong opinions and everybody just, but nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. And they're all just so opinionated that their way is the way. And it's like, okay, I'll try that. And it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, I, I just didn't have the expertise. And I think, so, so this was, so this was be very beginning of 2021, very beginning of 2021, I started to do a little, you know, my own research. Like, okay, how do I train? What do I train? What does training look like? How, how would I meet, how would I do that? Like, do I get a trainer? Is that lame? Do I get a coach? Like I've been climbing for a long time. Like, do I need a coach? Like, uh, this seems so like uh, so much, whatever. And I literally stumbled on some blogs and YouTube videos of Ollie and Tom Randall just talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was in, a, for whatever reason, again, it was like listening to Will. I was like, oh, you get it. Mm -hmm. I understand the words you're saying and it makes sense to me. Yeah, you're on the same wavelength. I'm on the same wavelength for yeah. whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And Ollie specifically, I just liked the way that he was explaining things. He has a, a gymnast background, and that's why he, so he approaches strength training from a way that I like understand. I did some gymnastics as a kid, so I was like, okay, I, I, I'm just like I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I was like, well, I want to train with Ollie. I mean, if I can train with somebody, I want, he he seems to be the guy, so I want to train with him. So I, I went to the Lattice website, and the, the, you know, I like looked around. You have to apply to a. a and train with him. And you have to go through the, it's kind of like an intense little application to train with him. And I was like, okay, well, I definitely shouldn't be filling this out because they asked like, are you a, a, a pro climber pretty early on? I think, it, I think it was even called like the elite or the pro whatever. And I might've lied on it. I might've <laughs> said I was, but I was like, immediately I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to work, but I, I, I want to see if like, maybe, maybe I can make it work. And they ask you all these questions. I mean, they're thoughtful guys. So they ask a lot of questions. I gave him all the answers. And then basically at the end of it, there was like a, why do you want to do this? Because it's not going to be this like cheap thing. This is going to be an investment. This is going to be like, you're training with one of the best trainers in the world. Like, why are you looking to do this as opposed to downloading our free fingers training program for somebody like you who's literally never done this before? And I wrote, I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I basically said, here's what I've done. I'm not, terrible at climbing, but I have my holes and I want to iron those weaknesses out. I want to improve. I want to see if I can get to a place 
to where I can be V fit, to where I can arrive. I like I like the way that you keep saying that. I want to see if I can arrive at V15 while still maintaining the other requirements that my life demands. Mm. I'm running this business. It's exhausting. I have these other ventures going. I am not going to let that go. I'm not going to lower my standards. What can you do to like make that work? Apparently, he was intrigued by the essay, reached out, and we did like an hour-long Zoom video interview where he like wanted to get to the why of it. It was less about how much can you hang on an edge because those numbers were fucking, they were pathetic. It was more about like, why do you want to do this? And it was very much just like, I want to see what I can do. I want to see what I can handle. I want to see what I'm capable of. And I'm not getting any younger. And you seem to be the guy that has plans and, and, and can make things specific for an athlete. So I want to be a part of that. Like, I know you're going to say no, because you're Ollie and I'm, you don't even know my name. Like, and he said yes. Mm. And it was shocking. I mean, we had it's such an easy conversation. We were like, bros immediately and was like what is going on here and so we started training and i and i i'm when was this uh that that was the beginning of 2021 okay yeah beginning of 2021 and one of the one of the reasons he 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 said he was willing to take me on was one he just like aligned with the essay. He was like, yeah, that's sick. I want to help with that. But the other thing he said, which I think is probably more uh, more true, was you are so weak in comparison to the grade that you've climbed that this should be really easy to tune you <laughs> up. Like you're so, like your numbers are so low. Do you remember the specifics? Um, I mean, they were bad, dude. Like hanging, so, so, okay. Hanging on, so I'm uh, 140-ish, let's say, pounds. Hanging, you know, like a seven-second, you know, hang on a 20-millimeter edge. This is going to get, this is bad. It is what it is. It is what it is. I think it was truly like maybe like 60 pounds. Body weight plus 60 pounds. Body weight plus 60 pounds. With two arms. Two arms. Yeah. And he was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> and you climb V14. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. this is so for those of you that don't know, I think you can do it for free. You go onto the Lattice website, you can take like a my fingers assessment, I think is what they call it. And you plug in all your numbers and your weight data and, and mm. the grade you've climbed. And it will literally spit out like, this is where you fall compared to the average of people that have climbed that grade and the outliers on either end. And I was just, so far on the bottom end of the outliers for literally everything. And from his mind, he's like, I mean, this is the easiest money I'm ever going to make. Like, <laughs> this kid is psyched and he's weak. Like, this is going to be easy. Like, put him on a hangboard and he'll be fine. And I think for pull-ups, I mean, I mean, I, it, it, I think for pull-ups, like, I couldn't do a one-arm pull-up. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't, yeah, I mean, I was doing maybe, so I'm, again, I'm 140. I was adding maybe 50%. So I was adding maybe 70 pounds to do like reps of three or four or five weighted pull-ups. Mm -hmm. So not, not great. And it's not like, oh, well. Yeah, that's not terrible. But if you compare it, I mean, you know, this guy's an outlier, but I think like Emil Abrahamson, I think I watched him a, do yeah, a, a, a pull-up with like 100 kilos. Right. 
you right. know, something like 220 pounds or something like that. So, right. Yeah. So just so far below. Compared like to other V14. Any classes. metric so mm -hmm. far below. And it's not like, oh, well, maybe Alex had the crazy shoulders. Nope. <laughs> just like, just had the try hard and the persistence and the willingness to like get hurt a little bit, <laughs> you know? And and so he put me on just, you know, this this assessment and this plan and it was very thoughtful. It was very, it was very thoughtful and it was very like designed to me and like my goals that I had and and it very quickly became clear that like I was making gains that I never thought were possible. Like all of a sudden, like, mm. like all of my numbers were spiking. All of my, I was climbing. I mean, for me, I was climbing like better than I've ever climbed. Like mm. I, I was going into the gym and he, he was literally having me do these exercises where it was like, go do 10 V10s without taking a break as like a way to like truly find fatigue. And I was like doing it, Whoa. falling a little bit for sure here and there. I'm not saying I was sending all, but I like I was doing it. Hmm. I was like, whoa, this is different. This is this. I'm I'm at a different place. I'm hanging, you know, these edges. It's great. I'm 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 getting stronger here. I'm getting like all these things were. I mean, I I I, I had a trip where I went to Roy, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, New Mexico. Yep, yeah. yeah, Roy, New Mexico. I had never been. And I just basically like got taken on a tour with some friends. I didn't fall for three days. <laughs> it was like, and granted, awesome. I wasn't trying like the V13s, the whatever, but I was like, yeah, literally didn't touch the ground one time. And I, it was just, it's not like I was just climbing V6, V, V7s. It was like, I was climbing very well for myself. I was just like, whoa. And he was like, yeah, this, this is what I was like expecting to happen. Basically, mm. it's like, you're so below where you should be but your body has the capacity to do these boulders. Your body just doesn't have the capacity to hang this weight on this edge. Mm -hmm. So if we just improve that a little bit, mm -hmm. you're going to notice like freak gains. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. How, I, I'm not, I don't want you to share like all the details because I just don't think it's relevant, right? Like sure. this is your yeah. program yeah. for yeah. you. And yeah. I used to, you know, a year ago or two years ago on the podcast, I would have wanted to know exactly what you did with yeah, Ollie, sure. you know, but I've just realized like that's that's really not the sauce. Like that's not what's important. Um, but on a principle level or kind yes. of like a more zoomed out level, what was different? Yeah. Because um, you you know you had six months of hangboarding and moonboarding and training with John, yep, and it yielded good results. But yeah, yeah, what was fundamentally different about training with Ollie? Do you still train with Ollie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I still nice. do. I'm very yeah. I'm just waiting for him to realize that <laughs> I'm still like the weakest guy on the like. It's funny when when I when 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 you asked me to do the podcast, I was like, oh my god, like I'm like not somebody that like your listeners are going to want to listen to oh, but come okay on, man. let's do it and i was talking with mallory we we got drinks last night so. i've had a lot of much less accomplished climbers on the show by the way for sure it doesn't feel like it but well i mean that's great i mean i, I, I don't know that's not great or not great that's, <laughs> that just is what it is but you like, belong here i'm okay. loving i'm loving the conversation well, but yes anyway well, good me too my claim, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, I need a claim to fame. Like everybody has, I was like, my claim to fame is I am the weakest person that Ollie trains. <laughs> That's my claim to fame. So I'm waiting for him to realize that he needs to go spend more time with Aiden or something. It's just easy gains, baby. Easy gains, right. So uh, in principle, the 
the big thing that I noticed was that he took the time to ask, like, what are your actual goals? What do you want to do? And I told him, I was like, I want to do V15 before I die. <laughs> that was my, and, and I don't want to break too many times along the way. And, and I want to improve baseline. Those are my, like, I want to do V15 before I die. That was my only requirement. That was the goal. And I'm willing to play the long game. I'm willing to do this right. I don't need to do anything. This I don't need to do fucking any. I don't need to get on top of another double-digit boulder. In a long, I'm, I'm not like I'm. If you, basically, I said to him, I was like, if you could do anything you wanted with somebody of my makeup, of my, what would you do? And I will do it. Mm. Like, I want to know what that's like. Like I'll spend. I'll spend like all my time in the gym for years if that's what you think I should do. If that's what you think you should do. Yeah, that's not what he recommended. But yes, right, exactly. Right. It was like, I'll do anything. Mm -hmm. I want to know what it's like because I'm literally just trying hard. That's all All I'm like. When I go to have a session, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've adjusted this since climbing with him, but I would literally redline it every single time. There was no, oh, I should probably stop now because I'm tired. It was like, stopping fucking lame and do it or try harder. <laughs> and it was just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing mm -hmm. it. And it was just always exhausted, always tweaks, always breaking, always injured, always on the verge of getting injured and just trying hard. And so I was willing to either continue doing that or backing off. The big thing that he did, but was because he had that criteria in his head, I'm putting words in his mouth basically. So if you have him on again, Maybe he'll say all oh, this is bullshit. But from my perspective, he took an approach of, okay, well, we're going to treat this like we have that much time then. So in a perfect world, what would I do? And so he would build out these themes. So we would have a cycle, a training cycle, and the cycle would have a theme. And the theme wasn't to prep me for the spring. It was not to prep me for the spring. The theme was to build a baseline of X so that in the following cycle, we could do why. Mm. He basically started with V15 requirements, my unique data points and intangibles and worked backwards mm -hmm. and built a plan. And it was very logical. I was like, okay, you need to be at a place where you can do X on the fingerboard and Y with the weights and Z on the board so that I can put you through this program. Mm. And once I put you through that program, you will be prepared to do this. And, and it builds. And I've seen that because I've been with him now for however many, you know, two, two years, whatever that, two, almost, almost three years now. Yeah. Actually, yeah, very close to three years now. So I've, I've, I've seen that, like it builds. Sometimes I hate the cycle that we're in because it's just like, it's not fun, it's brutal. It's just a bunch of like, four by sixes and like shoulder rotations and core and one mil 10, uh, sorry, one arm, 10 mil hangs. And it's, it's all, it's like not fun. It's awful. Can you do that now? No, but I can do a one arm, 10 millimeter hang, taking off the same amount of weight that I was doing the one arm, 20 mil hang, taking off the same amount of weight when I did mind emotion, which was like taking off 20 pounds. Wow. For seven seconds. Now I can do the 20 mil hang on, my, on a very good day plus five pounds. But 
the best I've ever done is plus 10, but it's usually like minus five, maybe body weight if, if it's good. I'm just bad at that. But the fact that I'm doing on a 10 mil now mm -hmm. with one arm, what I was doing on a 20 mil when I did a V14, mm -hmm. to me, it feels like a big deal. Yeah, that's sick. So it's like, okay, like I'm obviously improving. I'm not go, I'm not like trying a V14 right now, but like the big change was themes and, and, and a much longer term approach. So it was less about what's this trip you want to go do? What's this boulder you want to go do? If you're committing that the goal is to do a V15 before you die and you don't want to break along the way, then okay. There is a path to doing that. Mm -hmm. And we're very much on that on that path. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. What have you noticed in the actual climbing? Like did it how how much time did it take to start noticing a difference in your climbing? Because you touched on that a little bit already. Yeah, really quickly. I I I felt stronger really quickly. The well, yeah, and I just remembered like you guys also changed your style, right? So like, well, what? So, how did that conversation? Yeah. Go? So well, okay. So that was a whole. Okay, actually, yeah, I like blocked that part out of my memory. So <laughs> so I I was I was getting to the point to where I was doing for me again, which which is a really for me this is good. I was getting to the point to where I was doing like. V12s in two or three days. For me, that's very good. And there was this one boulder that I was I was getting very close on. It revolved around a really tweaky, funky right heel hook, like very intense. I've never had, I have never had a knee injury. I've never had hamstring injuries. I've never had any tweaks in my lower body besides my fucking weak ass ankles. I've never had anything like that. I was trying this boulder too many times and my knee exploded. My meniscus, my hamstring tendon, and my uh, one of the, so there are three hamstring muscles within the hamstring. My semi-membranosis, which is the one closest to the inside of your thigh, tore. All those tore in one moment. It oh. sounded like a car crash. And I was up there with a, uh, uh, my wife and, and a, a few friends, and they all just looked at each other just like, oh, he's dead. Like, <laughs> Or at least it'd be easier if he was dead because this is going to suck to get out of here. Where, where were you? You're at Lincoln? Uh, Wild Basin. Wild Basin. We were at Wild Basin. And with a hamstring injury, you can't bend your leg. You, you, you can't bend. So I couldn't, I couldn't bend my... So like... There's a lot of like scooting down cliff sides and like, I mean, it, it, it was, a, I mean, these friends are amazing. Shout out to all of them. Um, so Carl, Jeremy, and Natalie, and then obviously my wife. And uh, they eventually got me out of there. But then it was like my wife had to put me in the back of her car and like literally strap me because I couldn't sit. Like I, I couldn't sit in, in the car. You can't sit with a bended. Mm. So she had to like lay me down in, in the back of her little uh, little car and, and she drove as fast as she could like a couple hours away to uh, the hospital and I'll skip ahead but basically Damn. a good friend of mine Chris uh, Chris Wigan his sister is the top physical therapist at the top knee clinic uh, mm. here in uh, Colorado that sees all the NFL guys so I reached out to him. He reached out to her. She reached out to the top doctor there. He got me in immediately. I was very, very grateful. Um, and he asked 
you know, he like saw the video and like saw the, uh, of, of, of the movement, understood the, you know, did the MRI, gave me the, the analysis. He's like, all right, I mean, like we can go in and surgically fix this, but like that's not going to heal well or quickly or completely. Like that is going to be awful. And the only reason I knew that to be true for sure is because a friend of mine tore his hamstring in the exact same way three years prior, got the surgery, and has never really climbed since. He's now climbing again. Now he's crushing. But it took him three years off. Damn. And I was like, I want to avoid surgery at all costs. I said, okay, there's a way to do that. It's going to take a couple of years, but there is a way to do that. Just very intense PT and strengthening basically everything else around it so you can rely on the structure of everything else. I remember messaging Ollie being like, I almost felt bad because I was almost like, oh, you're putting so much time into this like non-pro climber athlete and I go out there and I like blow up and I'm mm. like, fucked. Like I can't, in my head I was like, I'm like never going to climb again because I'm. So, I saw my best friend do the same thing and he's just just now climbing again, three, four years later. And, you know, Ollie let me be, you know, emotional during the, the like acute moment of it because it was obviously very painful. But he basically said, after all of it, he basically said, we have an opportunity here. Like, You've always told yourself that in your head, you're this power squeezy little bulldog climber. That's what you are. That's what you define yourself as. You can only, like the way that you were talking about you and Leavenworth and mm -hmm. like, that's, I, I like, I resonate so deeply with that. Like I can squeeze. Alex squeezes. That's what Alex does. Alex does not lock off and keep his toe on. He doesn't know how to do that. And Ollie was like, you have to like like the, we have an opportunity. You're a small guy. You're five nine. You weigh 140 pounds. You've never really crimped in your, like like hard in your life. You crimped as like a default because you didn't know how to. But you've never really tried crimping. You never really trained your fingers. You've never really trained the lock off tension. Now you know vacuum Aiden style. Like we could see if this is a, this might be a superpower. You might not even know it. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, that sounds so hard. <laughs> and so we went down that path. And now, I mean, I'm not saying I'm, you know, great in that style, but I feel great in that style. Mm -hmm. I feel really strong in that style now, especially on the board, learning it. How long since the knee injury now? Uh, it was last July. So this is October. So, okay. Yeah. Year, year and a few months. A year and a few months, yeah. And I definitely can't, like I could not go back to that boulder and do that heel hook. My mm -hmm. heel A would break. But, and there are certain heel hooks that I just like will stay away from now, for sure. But I, I'm totally heel hooking again. I'm, 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 I'm back. I'm fully back That's to awesome. fighting weight. Yeah, I'm back to doing that. But now I'm climbing in that locked off, more controlled, isometric style and absolutely loving it and now all the all that training that ollie was doing before and now especially that we're doing sense it's i mean it's so applicable mm. like now i'm actually the opposite now i'm like i feel comfortable keeping my toe down shoulders locked off hips in on a 45 degree wall that's my sweet spot now mm -hmm. if i have to go out there and squeeze it takes me a second to be like oh wait yeah, this is okay. This is safe. I can do this. And then I fall in love with it. And then I, I, I tend to excel in yeah. that style. So what you were talking about earlier of like trying to piece it all together, right? That's where I feel like I'm at too. I'm trying to find like, what's the sweet spot? Mm. How do I, 
how do I like come back to a little bit of the compression? Cause I'm just whatever, naturally good at that. Like you are right. Or naturally predisposed to that, let's say, but I have this other superpower now. What's where, where's the sweet spot? What are those boulders that have both? Like, how can I get a little bit of both in there? And they exist for sure. Mm -hmm. They totally exist. And it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, again, I'm trying to keep my head down and do the training. Stay Maybe consistent. like the game or something. Yeah. Compression crimping. Yeah. That's fucking, that's on the list for sure. That's <laughs> I've, I, I, I went to it. I, I did the little V10 stand to it and played around a little bit on some of those lower moves. Um, yeah, that's a hundred percent on the list. Sweet. It's compressioning, it's, it's compression, it's crimping. It's a Daniel Woods boulder. So it's, <laughs> obvious, so it's obviously like hard and sick. Yeah. Um, and who knows, like maybe that would never happen, but that's the thinking, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how, how, how do you find a way to blend the two? And there is a way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. That is super cool. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and I think I think talking about Ollie Tour and how he's training you fits into this really well. You are unique because unlike a lot of people I talk to on the show, I mean, that's not true. I talk to plenty of people that have jobs, but you're running two companies and working 50 to 60 hours a week. You're super busy on that side of things and balancing all of that with climbing. Um, so I kind of have three questions for you. And the first one, you know, we're going to talk about climbing and training. Um, you can pull in stuff that you've learned from Ollie or whatever, but basically what are the keys to staying consistent with your climbing and training? And then what are the keys to staying on top of things at work? What are the keys to maintaining a healthy relationship? Mm. Those are really good questions. For you, obviously. For me, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is going to sound counterintuitive on the climbing side, but um, so a after my leg injury, I was so mad. Like I, I was filled with rage because I was climbing so well. Everything was working. I didn't have a, a weird little moment the week before where maybe my knee was hurting and I should have backed off and I didn't. It was out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was pushing it too hard in the session. That's on me. But I didn't have like a warning. Mm -hmm. I was so mad. I was climbing so well. Everything was going well. I was getting married in a, few, a couple months after that. So I was like, okay, can't walk down the aisle. Can't go on the honeymoon. Just dropped a shit ton of money on that. Like, I guess I'm out of luck. Like I was so mad. Mm. And the feedback that Ollie gave me um, to kind of pull me out of that headspace was, he's like, you, you, uh, I said, he said, we, the, Lattice team have like a, a phrase that we use for people like you, athletes like you. Uh, you're like a Formula One car. You are so easy to tune up. You are so easy to give just a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of guidance and the right stimulus. And you're like a psychopath, which is great. The problem is you don't have an internal like control system to know when's too much. Mm -hmm. And so you just rip yourselves apart. So the big challenge with you and that we need to focus on is how do we get you to pull back? 
How do we get you to not go 100%? How do we get you to not give it everything you have on mm -hmm. that move? That's the big critique and that's the big challenge is don't always give it everything. Leave some in the tank. Even on a given session, he, he'll literally for like a, for every single, so he'll, he'll give me like a set of um, workouts that I have to get done within a week. And then weeks into months and months into quarters and, you know, it, 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 it all builds, right? And at each workout, he'll literally give me a uh, RPE score, a rate of perceived exertion, one to 10. He goes, this, and he'll describe what that should feel like. And he'll mm -hmm. literally like write notes too of just like, do not push it on this one. Or on this one, feel free to go a little weird on this one if you want to. But he's 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 very prescriptive. Like, don't, if you can add five more pounds, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Do this load. Do not add more weight. Or, yeah, great. Go as hard as you can. But he's he does a good job of that. And he, he keeps me like tame. I guess, because mm -hmm. it's not in my nature to not want to rip myself apart every time I go bouldering. I want to try as hard as I can. I've, if there's this one move that we're all trying, I, I feel like I'm like fighting for my life trying to stick the move. That's how it feels. And so I have to constantly remind myself, don't go there, don't go there. Until I'm like let off the leash, mm. don't go there. Mm -hmm. And I think he's he's been good about giving me the tools to know when I can let myself off that leash and when is okay to be like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to like, I've gotten really good at calling my shot and being like, okay, I'm going to do it right now. And then I do it mm. because I know that I haven't been trying that hard or I've been holding back on this toe because I don't want it to aggravate the hamstring or whatever. And so the key to being consistent in climbing for me has been not always going to 100% mm -hmm. and backing off a little bit and being really calculated with when I'm going to let myself off the leash. Okay. Yeah. And having a plan. <laughs> That's the other thing. Having a plan. <laughs> having a plan, I think, is the <laughs> obvious one, but it's it's a little bit more nuanced. Mm -hmm. It's like having a plan for and having an intention and then being really clear about when I'm allowed to go hard, mm -hmm. which is not all the time. Like today, we were all, it's funny, you, you know, you showed up and, you just got off a trip. You're like feeling a little rugged, feeling a little creaky, feeling a little. And we were both like, oh, thank God, because we are too. Because <laughs> we just got off this trip. We just took a week off. We're just like feeling a little rugged, not really feeling. We're like, we really wanted to have a great high energy session on the board. But we, all three of us were just like, oh, I'm kind of tired. And yeah. That's okay. Right. That was so, great. It was so we, super so fun. we, it was so we just, we just chilled and, that, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so that's been. Climbing, ha having an intention for every session, every movement, and 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 keeping myself on a bit of a leash. That's cool. Yeah. Um, on the logistics side, you'd mentioned a few things in your notes too, and it's with your lifestyle trying to balance all the things makes such a difference to have a home wall. Oh, it's like yeah. I I've yeah. realized that, and it's obviously so lucky to be able to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for a long time, I just thought like, well, if I had, you know, if I lived in one of these big cities with like a bigger gym with more boards or whatever, 
you know, I wouldn't have to have my own home wall, but it's the more I travel, the more I realize like, no, it's really hard to have a really high quality session on a public board after work, you know, like if you can work your own hours and go at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, then lucky you. But if you're trying to fight the masses and get in there at 6 p.m. or something on a Tuesday, good luck. Super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so like to the extent where I'm like kind of like reshaping my entire lifestyle potentially around like giving myself that access, you know? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting, which again, super lucky to be able to do that, but very lucky. Yeah. Very, very fortunate to, um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil your news, but yeah, very fortunate enough to be able to have the ability to, yeah, to like have, have a home wall. I mean, I'm, I'm so so grateful, but it was also calculated too. Like mm-hmm. I bought this house totally literally thinking about like, yeah, like future rooms for, you know, whatever, but it's interesting. I, so I, I no, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 please. It's I'm interesting how COVID did change that, you know, like, I, cause I, I saw a lot of people who um, didn't think that they had the means or didn't think that they had the space or whatever got really fucking creative because they had to. And it's, it reminds me of like, you know, it's like the modern version of 1990s cellar boards exactly. in the UK. You know, exactly. like those guys had, they found some cheap plywood. They made fucking holds out of wood with chisels. And then they got fucking strong, you know? Exactly. I yeah. mean, that, I mean, we just like, so I, I bought the house looking at the garage and the dimensions in the garage and, and, and specifically the it's height, tall, it's but tall, yeah, right. the height of the ceiling. Cause that's the thing that gets you in garages. You could have the square footage, but if you don't have the ceiling, you're hosed, at least here in, in the U S. So I bought it with that intention, but then it took COVID happening to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to give up climbing. So John and Jess and Mallory and I built a moon board and put up a moon board, went crazy on it. Then eventually realized, actually this garage is pretty big we have space. So I built a 12 foot wide by 12 foot uh, long 45 degree spray wall. And we just started to learn how to, how we like to set, we like to climb. And I mean, again, the whole idea was like, eventually my lifestyle will get too busy to where I have to have this, but now it's a luxury. And now that I'm in it, to your point, I, I, we actually literally today, we just canceled our gym membership. (laughs) We go once a month. Yeah. We hate it whenever we go. The climbing doesn't prepare you for the things that we want to do outside. I can, I can, like Mallory, she's a, a dental hygienist. So she gets up super early in the morning. Sometimes after work, she's exhausted. So she'll wake up, go down, go into the garage, do her fingerboarding, come in, have her journal time or coffee and go on to the day, come home do a board session, make dinner. It's just like, it's such a, it, it, it's a part of the lifestyle. And I feel very fortunate that we're both on the same page, that we both care enough about climbing to assign value to that use of space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I truly couldn't imagine trying to accomplish all the goals that I have in climbing and not without that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it just works better than anything else. I know. Like it's not as fun, but it's very productive. Mm-hmm. And it's like you and I were talking about it on the board. It's like you can set and going back to this, this, this is, this isn't my advice. This is uh, Will England's, right? But it's like, sometimes the rule is you have to keep your foot on to do that move. Mm-hmm. 
oh, cool, I did the boulder. I, well, you didn't. Your foot cut. doesn't yeah. count. You're not going to do that in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're not going to go and climb on the commercially set stuff and do that. And if you do, it's not going to have the same effect. No, it totally you doesn't. Know, unless, I mean, unless it's the rare, perfect crimp boulder in right. the commercial gym that's relevant for your outdoor goal. But Right. Yeah. Well, and even on a, like a moon board, for example, or a kilter board, for example, like th- you hit a certain level where you can really only make them difficult by making them really awkward. Your feet have to cut. Like you have to cut feet mm-hmm. on some of those boulders, which is great. You get powerful and it looks cool and it's fun. You get strong, but you're not going to go to the dolly wall and do clear blue skies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the TB2 is the closest thing I found to where it actually does have both. Like mm-hmm. we actually thought about doing the TB2 big spray layout instead of our spray. But I just, I just love like a good old fashioned Woody with some ratty little holds nice. and homemade holds and and making it more creative and allow people to set their own thing. I I, I just like it more. It feels more ours. It feels mm. more like we're detached from grades too. I have no idea how mm-hmm. hard the grades are. I always think I'm climbing V8. I'm climbing V8. I'm climbing V8. I'm climbing V8. <laughs> and then we have some friends come over, and sometimes like, yeah, that was easy. Oh, that was V8. And sometimes like, oh, damn, that's really hard, dude. <laughs> and that's a good feeling, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I think detaching from grades too is for us here on like a day-to-day basis is positive. Because if you go, you just climb on a moon board, it's like, all right, well, I think, so back when John and I were doing the 26, it was all on the 2016 set. I got to the point to where I had done every single benchmark through V7. So I'd done all the V7 benchmarks, V6 benchmark, V5 benchmark. And I had like three left on the benchmark eights and maybe 10 left on the benchmark nines and like, you know, like a little bit more on the tens. And I think I did one benchmark 11 ever in my life. But any other of the, like any more of those benchmarks, like I was never going to do them. It was like, (laughs) oh, I've hit that point where I am just not going to do, I would need to be climbing legitimately like V15 Mm. to go and do this. I'm not going to do that. So it became less useful. It became, uh, yeah, it just became less useful. Mm-hmm. So we leaned in into the spray wall. The one thing about the spray wall is it's just so hard. Like it's so hard on your body. Mm. And so the recovery piece becomes really important. And again, because, you know, we're fortunate enough to to own our home, we're, we're able to do this, but we, we have a sauna here. We have like a traditional barrel sauna outside everybody comes up and they uh i think it's a big wine barrel because we're <laughs> a wine family but it's just this big sauna traditional style so we get in there we do that all the time we do the ice baths like my wife how do you do those um when it's uh like proper cold out like the water freezes outside we just literally do it in the bath but 99 percent of the year we just have one of those, we have like a little inflatable one person, 100 gallon bath. You get in there, has a lid on it. Honestly, the trick is to get it cold enough. Like, we were, I told you we were just up in Leavenworth. So I was jumping into Icicle Canyon a little bit with, with some buddies. And that's cold. That's like proper, like, mm-hmm. cold. That's like 38 degrees cold. That's like, 
we're probably able to get it to like high 40s, low 50, high, high, high 40s. It's just like a lot of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I was doing it every day. To be honest, I, we just, I don't want to go to the store and buy ice. So actually, I think we're going to buy an ice machine so I can start doing it more. Because the combo of the ice bath and the sauna and then just getting our diet really dialed has been, it's been massive. Because otherwise, like four days on a board, it's kind of a lot. Like a pl- lot. plus the fingerboarding, plus the weightlifting. Four days a week on a board is a lot. Four days on a board, plus all the max weighted fingerboarding repeater stuff that we're doing, plus all the weightlifting is just, it's very effective, mm-hmm. but it's a lot. So the, so the recovery ha- has to be there. So that's mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I think makes it more consistent is just focusing on the recovery piece as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting a little closer to actually acting like that pro climber. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> With the recovery being on point. Yeah, trying. Yeah. yeah so still, then yeah. So then let's talk about work. What are the keys to staying on top of things at work? Um, how do you I'm what I'm really getting at, I mean, you can answer this question however you want, but balance. It's hard. I've never been good at balance. <laughs> balance is not something I'm good at. Um I mean, you've you've already touched on it a little bit, and we talked about it in the garage. Like, basically, yeah. you just you just don't do anything else. I'm kind of the same way. I I mean, yeah. I work on the podcast, which is way more work than a lot of people think. It's so much work. Um, yeah. Some people really get it, and a lot of people really don't, and yeah. that's fine. It, yeah. It's fine. But um, but yeah, between climbing, pursuing my own climbing and or training, and working on the podcast, and then. I sleep more than you do, but yeah. I take sleep seriously. And then, you know, my social life's kind of seasonal. Like I yep. socialize a lot when I'm traveling in certain areas. And then I kind of have my like hermit times where I just like right now I go post up in Estes at the co-working space and just yep. like hunker down for a while. Um, I don't really do much else. I almost never go out. I almost never, I don't really have any other hobbies that I'm pursuing, at least not right now. And that's not, some people probably think that's lame, but I love it. I, I love to have like that kind of focus in my life. Yep. Sounds like you're really similar. I agree. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent with with that. I I compartmentalize. I think maybe that's maybe that's like a, a way to answer it. Is I I compartmentalize. I have my family, my friends, so my wife, my family, my friends. Don't have a lot of friends. The friends I have, I care deeply about, and I invest in those friendships, but. It's not like we're going to the bars every Friday or or really doing anything every Friday, right? And then I have climbing and I have my work. And that's it. I mean, I'm what, not... What do you do? You you run a couple businesses? Yeah. Uh, so I, I've spent my career as a um, both a... It's like a combo of like a, a marketer and like... A, business operations person. So basically my skill set is I understand the physics of a business and how to make businesses work or how to make businesses really thrive, how to make businesses um, ready for sale, ready for IPO. So I really understand like the unit economics, the building blocks of a business and can diagnose, okay, you're here, you want to get there, here's the plan. Here's how long it's going to take. 
And so, you know, I've helped sell uh, quite a few different businesses. I was never an owner of them, so I just uh, did the work and didn't get paid for it. But I learned a lot, mm. um, and 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 did that with a um, a friend. Basically, he was working at all these companies too, and we we helped got we. We helped with one acquisition that was a meaningful acquisition. It was a, it was a big one. Um, we didn't get paid for it, obviously. We weren't owners. We're not on the executive team. So it's not like I walked away with a bunch of money. But I walked away, we walked away with a lot of experience of what really works, what really doesn't at scale. And so we started to get some advice that like, hey, you guys are sharp. Like, I think you really have something here. Like, if you put a little bit more thought into this, like, you might have something. So we started our own company. Uh, it's called Domestique. It's a French word. It means to serve. Um, it comes, so my partner is a big road cyclist. Like you and I are climbers, he's a, a cyclist. He's like that level mm -hmm. um, of intention with it, of care. And the Domestique represents uh, the, the person, the rider that sits at the front of the peloton the, the front of the pack and breaks headwinds for everybody mm. else and does the hard work for 99% of the time mm. so that at the very end, the guy, the gal uh, that is healthy and rested can come around and win. And and for what we do, uh, we run a uh, revenue operations or go-to-market operations agency. Uh, that's It's a nice little metaphor for what we do for different businesses is we try to do the hard work that allows them to do what they're really good at. Mm. Um, so we've been doing that for a couple of years now. We just hired our second full-time employee and we've got 20 contractors and we're growing. Like it's, it's working. We honestly, I was expecting it not to work. I was expecting it to literally just like win a project and pay for my honeymoon if I'm being totally honest. But then it started to work. And then it started to really work. And I was like, okay, hold on. I need to like make room for this in my life. And now it's- it's Because you were already working? You had another job? Yeah, I had another job. I, was, I, had, I had another job. So I quit that, went all in on this with, with my partner. And it's, I mean, it, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like mm. for sure. It is, it is so hard. It's so different starting something and- building something and running something and having you you be the brand. Like so far, like, you know, very grateful with where we're at. But like we get customers because they're like, oh, I want access to Alex's brain or to Reese's brain, my partner, his brain. You guys are smart. I want you. And early on, it's like, yeah, great. Let's do it. Let's, so we've been, we've tried to be very smart with money. We're not like paying ourselves a crazy amount. We're putting it away. We're trying to just build this so that we can, you know, really do something with it. But now we're at a point where we're like, okay, how do we solve scale? Because I, I am literally every, from eight to five, every half an hour of Monday to Friday is booked every single day, every half an hour. I am on a call. <laughs> that call might be an internal call to figure out how the new local legislature impacts our taxes. It might be a strategy call to talk about how to go, solve this oh client gosh. problem. It might be an actual client call with their board where you got to fucking, you know, sound smart. Or it might be a sales call where we're trying to win a deal. Those are always high stakes, right? So it's like it, literally every half an hour, I am like 
turned on. Like my executive functions are firing. And then there's like all the time before that and all the time after that where I actually have to do the work and like think about things and like strategize and put brain cells into stuff and then spend time with my wife and not be an asshole and like ask her about her day and 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 support her and her goal and and then oh yeah I want to climb so I need to <laughs> you know so it's it's that's why that's kind of why I smirked when you said like balance like I don't have balance but for me I've made the decision to be okay with that. I've made the decision that I'm capable of carrying a load. We we, we were uh, uh, hanging out with um, friends now probably two months ago. And we're on some rooftop in Boulder having a drink. It was the end of the night. And one of the one of the girls said, let's, let's play this game where we all go around uh, uh, the you know table, whatever. And and say what what we love a, about love and appreciate about ourselves most. And mm. everybody's like, oh, that's like a really genuine, like cool way to get to know each other at a deeper level. But then everybody looked at me and they're like, oh my God, he is gonna like Alex is gonna hate this. <laughs> like this is gonna be brutal. He like this is like he's not, you know, and I, I was like, okay, all right, all right. So I was like trying to come up with like snarky things to make me sound smart and funny and whatever. But everybody got really honest and really genuine, and it was it, it was beautiful to listen to what people loved about themselves, which is not something you talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was very, it was like moving. So then, and so they saved me for last. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm actually going to answer this, and I said, I know you all kind of critique me for working a lot and for being a little high strung and redlining it all the time, but. I love that I am capable and willing to carry a load and to carry responsibility because I I grew up in a family in a uh, community where you know my dad others like him like he wasn't just responsible for himself or his wife or me or my sister he was responsible for the family and eventually a little community around him. And they really started to like rely on that. And he helped, I saw him and my mom help people. It doesn't need to be financially. It can be like another family, another family friend, another somebody like needs somebody sturdy in their life to be present. That's hard to do in a, in a meaningful way. And I, I have to assume that my grandfather did that. I mean, he he did because I, I heard people say it. I don't want to break that. Like, mm. I, I, I want to do my version of that. I'm not going to live up to what they did for sure. But why is that? Do you feel like external pressure or, is, or do you take pride in it? Like, what do you get out of it? Why, why does it feel important to you? It feels important to me because... Yes, I mean, yes, there are external pressures for sure. For sure. I, I I can't pretend like they're not. But I've I've been through some things in my life that have made me realize that like I've been given a bit of a second chance and a bit of not a starting over point, but like I feel like I, I have been through a couple of things that are just they re- they like took me to like rock bottom. Hmm. 
And I know what that feels like. I don't ever want to go back there again. But more importantly, I feel like, like a part of me has already died a little bit in experiencing that. And so now everything else is extra. Everything else is you've been given a second chance. So don't blow it. And part of me thinks that if I'm 80, looking back on my life, maybe in Leavenworth by the <laughs> fire, having a cup of coffee, right? I don't know that I'm going to think back and wish that I climbed the V15. If I do it, I think it'd be great. But if I look back and I climb the V15 or I, whatever, I, I, I get the job or you make the money or the whatever, but I wasn't, you know, there for my wife, there for my maybe eventually kids, there for my family and able to help in, in ways that I think I could have. I, I, I think I'd have a really hard time finding peace mm. later on in life if I didn't take on responsibility and really live up to it. Because from my, like, this is just maybe like, <laughs> this is more philosophical now, but like, I really believe that the way for me to find meaning in this life is to add value. And to add value, I need to take on responsibility. So that means I need to be first responsible for myself. So I got to be sturdy. I got to be, I can't be on the verge of breakdown. I can't be on the verge of breaking. I got to be sturdy. And then I got to take care of like the, my little tiny circle around me. And then extrapolate that out, you know, 40 years, 50 years. It would be nice if that circle grows. Right. And I'm I am I am able to add value and and care for other people in whatever that way that means. And I know that I'm not gonna get there if I don't start now. So I need mm -hmm. to like take on a load now. So yes, there are periods like when I started these companies. I mean, yeah, it was I mean, it was a lot. And it still is a lot. I'm exhausted. But, and it's both getting harder and easier. It's getting easier because I'm getting used to it. I'm learning how to do it. I'm learning that I can do it. Like I can go climb a V12 a quarter and do all my training and show up for my wife and show up at work and like hit these goals we have. And it just means that maybe I'm not doing the Rocklands trip. Mm. It means that maybe I'm not going on the big hike that everybody's doing. It means that maybe I'm not doing the extra social session. I'm just going to stay at home in the board and like get the work done so I can go back to doing, you know, but it's, mm -hmm. it's all about priorities and I'm, I'm playing long ball with it for sure. How is it harder? You said that in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. Well, you know, went back when it was just, me and my business partner, we had a couple customers. I was like, it's hard, but it's, it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. There's more stakes now. There's way more stakes. We yeah. have, you know, we have two people that are full-time employees. They got mortgages. They have kids in college. Mm. They have health insurance they need to pay for. They have like lifestyles that need to be, they have like, if I fuck up, that impacts them and their world in a meaningful way. 
And so I choose to try very hard to not fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when we do, it's okay. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Like be very honest about why you messed up. Learn from it and improve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. We've been going for a while now, so I think we should wrap up with this final this this final piece of the triad that I uh, yeah. started us off with half an hour ago or whenever. The relationship. Yeah. Um, you seem to have a beautiful, open, very honest, like communicative relationship with your wife and you guys have been awesome to hang out with. Mm, cool. Um, what does it look like to make sure that you don't get so wrapped up in work or in just climbing, even if it's together, that you forget to like nurture the relationship? Do you set aside time? Do you have date nights like ever, every so often? And is it on, is it on the schedule? Like, how do you make sure that you're yeah. giving enough space to that? Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, it's something that you have to work at. It doesn't just happen. You have to put effort into it. My wife is incredibly accomplished. She has a super demanding job. You might even argue more demanding than mine. Like she, she goes and she, she works in healthcare and she's a, a dental hygienist. And so even just like tactically, she comes home after a day of literally like working with her hands all day and then jumps on a board. Mm. Brutal, right? I mean, and yet she still does it with a smile. Right. Um, I think a big thing for us has been, again, I mean, I feel like I keep saying versions of this, but it keeps hitting home for me in this conversation is being really honest about what you want. We, we were really honest with each other early on. Like, what do you want from this relationship? What do you want long-term? I, and does that align with what I am capable and willing to give and run towards? And it does. Um, I also think like we are just like wild about each other. <laughs> and I don't say that to be cheesy. Like I, I cause I, I've been in relationships where I haven't been wild about who I'm with. And I like, I, awesome. w- I will go and spend time with like the girlfriend only to like check the box and then I'll go and wanna hang out with the guys, right? She's my best friend. I mean, and I would rather hang out with her than anybody else. Like I would That's rather awesome. yeah. like go do anything with her as opposed to somebody else. And I think we're very, we're very lucky in that way. Um, we hold each other to high standards to, 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 to be the best versions of ourselves, but to also like value and cherish and respect and like protect that. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a lot of people that just like you get together for a while, you, life gets busy, you start stop, you stop paying attention to each other, you, you you lose out on not just the big things. It's not like oh well, we stay in love because I take her to Hawaii and now she loves me again. It's like no, it, it's the little things. It's like when one of us comes home, like greet each other and make coming home like super positive, mm-hmm. right? It's not, look at this gift I got you. Who gives a shit? It's like, no, you came home. That's a big deal. I came home. Welcome me. Let me welcome you, right? Um, we we have roles in our relationship, like a lot do, and we take our roles really seriously. You know, like 
we, we, we take care of each other in the ways that we are uniquely able to do. And the other person acknowledges that effort, right? It's like, you know, like when, when, when we said that we were going to do the podcast here, you know, and I told Mal that she's like, okay, I got to, I got to get the house organized. I got to clean the house. I got to like make it look good. I I, I want it to, I want it to feel like how we feel about it. We're very proud about it. It's nothing crazy, but it's like, it's our little sanctuary. It's our Mm -hmm. little spot in the world, you know? And we've, we, we care about that. And so she, she, you know, she got up at six this morning. I was, (laughs) I was still sleeping, you know, like she, she got up at six and she was crushing it. And, and, and I think, and and so I I try I think I've I've done an okay job of of trying to acknowledge that and and she'll do the same for me like with working for me it, it, I, I will admit she's been dealt a more difficult hand than I have for sure I'm much harder to live with I get <laughs> than she is and she has done a really good job of knowing when is maybe appropriate and inappropriate to maybe push me on like, hey, do you really need to be working right now? Mm. You know, there are certain things because I'm, I'm very transparent with her about like what's going on in the business and, and, and all of it so that she knows it's like, hey, I'm solving this problem. I have to do this. Otherwise, X, Y, Z, and that's a non, like we can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to do this, which means maybe I'm not climbing for that week. I have to solve this problem. So she knows and she fully supports that. She gets on board. But sometimes if I'm just like on the computer, right? We've had dinner. We're supposed to be hanging out. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're watching a show, but I'm fucking, I'm checking emails, right? It's like, dude, do you need to be doing that? It's like, no, you're right. Okay. Sometimes the answer is yes. Like I have to answer this tonight. That's not all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. like, and I think she... She does a really good job of of holding me accountable to that. And I am doing my best to do that. But I, I think again, just to to wrap that up, I think it we're very honest with each other about what we want. We also got very lucky, I think. And we just yeah, like we want to be around each other. And I I we love each other in a way that I don't know, I've never experienced before. And mm. I, I don't I don't know that it's super common, mm. but yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm just incredibly lucky. Congratulations! So, yeah, thanks. I don't know if she'd feel the same way, but I'm <laughs> but I'm I'm incredibly lucky. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful, and probably a good note to end on, man. Unless there's anything else that feels important. No, um, we can always go longer. We can always do this again. I've got more questions that we could dig into, but yeah, yeah, your, I, I appreciate you. I've I've loved this conversation. It's been really fun to hang out with you today. I feel I, I mentioned this in the garage, but. You know, this thing happens that's kind of funny where um, whenever I meet people in person who have listened to the show, they're like, okay, I know a lot about you, but I don't really know how much to acknowledge. You know what I mean? Like, I know that you don't know me and it's um, it, it's just fucking cool. I was telling you, it just, every time I hear that someone really connects deeply with the show and not just like the training and the climbing and like the fun stories and stuff, but like, Oh wow, you're you're like really um, trying to have intentional conversations with people, and I like feel that, and I connect with yeah. it. Whenever I hear that kind of feedback, I'm like, we're already friends. Mm-hmm. Like we just cool. you we are we're on the same wave. That's yeah. so cool. And 
you know, now I finally get to like benefit from this friendship that we've been forming for the last several years right. by hanging out with you. So it's been a blast. I really appreciated it. And um, best of luck, man. Thanks, man. With, with the work, with the, with the business, with the climbing goals. I'm so excited to see how you continue to evolve over the long game with Ollie. And um, well, yeah, I would love to do it again. We should check in in a, a year or two and, and uh, catch up again and see where things are at. Yeah, man, I would love that. And I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate all the kind words. You're, you know, um, Mallory and I uh, went out on a date night last night, like you were, like you were saying. And I, I, I told her, I was like, I have to admit, I'm, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome doing the podcast, even because we've been listening to it for so long and get. We love it. Especially, I have imposter syndrome making the podcast. Big time. Which, yeah, which is so wild to us because the thing that set, from our perspective, the thing that sets this podcast apart from, from the other climbing specific ones, and honestly, just from most podcasts, is that it's human and it's genuine while still providing insights that actually make a difference. Like, yeah, not every episode for every person, for sure over the long haul, like taken as, as the whole product, the whole show. I mean, we get so much value out of it and it just feels different listening to it. Mm. And there's a reason why we feel like, and others I'm sure, feel like they know you, but maybe we don't feel like we know Andrew Huberman. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference. Like, yeah, maybe we're gonna get more objective little nuggets from that podcast. I don't know anything about that guy. I'm not necessarily saying I want to, but I'm less invested in it. And it's been cool to see the impact that this podcast has had on the community. It's it's starved for it. And and so yeah, I, I would just say thank you for doing it and 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 continue doing it the way that you're doing it with which is basically just being yourself and being genuine and human about it and because i i think the part that we get the most value out of is like these relatable stories as opposed to like i mean don't get me wrong i'm basically on like the weak man's version of aiden's uh aiden roberts like program so i love listening to aiden talk about his delts and how he you know gets them stronger but i'm also for sure. like for sure all right dude i can't I'm never going to do that. So listening to some of these other stories and other guesses is for us as real people in the real world, we do get the nuggets. So kudos to you, man. You've built, um, you've built something special and I hope you continue doing it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Warms my heart to hear that. And luckily it's my favorite thing I've ever done. So <laughs> awesome. just going just gonna to keep doing it. Awesome. All right. Let's cool. have some steak. Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's have some wine. All right. All right, man. This was fun. Bye, everybody. Hey, friends. Just want to share a few more things before I let you go. If you enjoyed that conversation with Alex, we actually ended up talking for another half an hour, and that is available right now for patrons who support The Nugget for $5 per month or more. We got a great question from a listener. Someone wanted to know more about 
Alex's training with Ollie Tour and what some of the unique benefits have been from that training that Alex wasn't able to get from training on the moonboard. And that led to a really cool discussion. So the exact length of that episode was 27 minutes. And again, it is available right now if you are a patron or if you go sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app if you scroll down. And right now there is a seven day free trial. So you can go over there, sign up. It just takes a few minutes. It's really quick. Become a patron for free. You can listen to that bonus episode. And then if you don't have the means to keep supporting, you can cancel at any time. No questions asked. You get lots of great perks by being a patron. You can listen to the patron show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm going to be putting out a lot more of these extras. That is the direction that Patreon is going. There's a huge back catalog of patron-only episodes, 150-plus hours of exclusive content, and you'll get ad-free versions of every episode and a lot more. So once again, patreon.com slash the nugget climbing if you want to dive in and it is free for seven days. I want to give another shout out to all of my amazing sponsors who supported this episode. If you want to check them out and use their discount codes, I put links to all the things right there in your podcast app if you scroll down or you can learn more by going to the nugget And I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate your support. I hope you all have an amazing week and we will see you next time.